we live in extremes, you know, uh, at our core, we're the mo most of people are, are binary people. And I mean, I'll obviously not talk about the gender aspect of that, but the fact that you're a zero or a one, you play on a spectrum and you have the extreme, you have the extreme. Yes. We should live in the gray in the middle 98%. You know, it's cool acknowledging the extremes outside of that. Be open. What's cooking, everybody? I am joined in the bunker today by Mr. Justin Baker. Baker is a co-founder of the company Soar, which you may remember I had in the other two co-founders, so now we've had all three. I had in Anthony Fenyu and Riley Horvath for numbers 30 and 50, respectively, and now we have Baker here at number 58. This guy is the CTO of the company, so he's the engineer who is in their building this stuff every day. And for those of you who didn't hear those previous two episodes and aren't familiar with Soar, Soar is a startup that produces live streamed holograms. They have the software that can produce that. And that is exactly what it sounds like. And it's pretty insane. And they're going to bring these futuristic movies we've seen for years now to the world pretty damn soon. Like it's kind of happening. So Baker and I actually talked about that a lot less today. Much of this conversation didn't necessarily cover tech. It covered a lot of other things, but we've talked about that in the previous podcast. And it's very, very cool to me that I've had a chance to bring these guys in here while they're on that journey so that this is not only content that's wild to listen to right now while we're thinking about this world these guys are trying to craft every day, but also five, ten years from now, we can look back on these episodes and be like, damn, that's that's where they were. Or like, yo, that's what they were thinking, or oh wow, this they were right about this or wrong about that. Like there there's there's so much in there that is gonna be able to be picked apart in 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 a good way. So to be able to do that in the bunker here is has been awesome and and as I said with the previous two, I'll say it once again with with Justin here. I'd look forward to having him in here again. I mean, this guy is intelligent as hell. I mean, he's just it'll come across right away. But, you know, we had a lot of laughs. We were having a good old time, but also, I mean, he fried my brain a few times. He just he builds these arguments that should take a normal person 20 minutes. He can do it in like three minutes succinctly and brilliantly. And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> like, So I love when someone can come in and kind of fry my brain and that's exactly what happened. And, and it also makes for great, great content. One quick note on the episode itself, the first five to 10 minutes, you will hear that Baker's voice is a little softer. I couldn't tell while we were recording that he was a little bit far away from the mic at first. So then he moved in and it got better. I didn't want to get rid of that first part because we introduced like some pretty good topics to set the stage. So I left it, but just bear with me there and the rest of it should be pretty good and balanced. Now, if you have not used the link in my description, along with the code Trendifier at checkout to purchase your 8 Sleep Pod Pro mattress or 8 Sleep Pod Pro cover, as I say every week, you should consider it. Not just because it helps yours truly here and is help the, helping with the earliest parts of paying the bills, but 8sleep is the first real tech company to really actually try mattresses instead of a mattress company trying tech, which has never really worked. Let me focus on the second of the two products, though. So I, I said the mattress right there, and at the front I said the mattress and the cover. The cover is what I want to keep the focus on, and I say that because the cover is half the price, and also it is less hassle because when you get a mattress, people don't 
you usually don't buy a mattress like every year. It's it's an investment. It's it's you have to get it delivered. The whole nine. The cover does all the same things that their mattress does, but it comes in queen or king sizes, and it can go right on top of your current mattress that you have right now. So maybe you love the feel of your current mattress and you don't want to get rid of that. Get the cover because the cover hooks into the Eight Sleep app just like their full-blown mattress does, and just like their full-blown mattress does, it measures all of your sleep stages and other metrics throughout the night to optimize your sleep. So when you wake up in the morning, maybe you slept six hours, but sleeping on an eight-sleep cover or the eight-sleep mattress, Pod Pro mattress, you're going to feel like you slept eight on a regular mattress because you get a full, deeper sleep, and everything is actually, it's optimized for you. It's technology. Believe it or not, it's a beautiful thing. So since we haven't integrated this enough into sleep culture really around the world, Eight Sleep's the company that's now bringing that to the world. And Google them. You'll kind of see they're pretty much exploding. So use that link in my description if you're interested in this. And I think it should be, but I'm a little biased, but still. Use that link in my description and you can use the code Trendifier. That's T-R-E-N-D-I-F-I-E-R at checkout and you will get $100 off either the 8 Sleep Pod Pro mattress or the 8 Sleep Pod Pro cover. And by the way, if for some reason you don't like it, there is a full 30-day guaranteed return policy. And I will also say 8 Sleep's customer service team is phenomenal. Like they are phenomenal. So they're great to deal with. If you need any help or need clarification points, whatever, you can call them up and, and, and they're great. So give that a try and we get $100 off using that link in my description along with the code Trendifier at checkout. Anyway, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And if you're on YouTube right now, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell button, and leave a like and comment on the video, if you would, please. To everyone who has been doing the word of mouth thing every week and passing along the podcast to a friend who enjoys podcasts, please keep doing it. It's amazing. Like, it's working. I see it. I get hit up by people. They tell me that's how they found it. There are certainly a lot of people, like, I'd still say the majority of people find me on TikTok, but now I have a clear second opening there that's starting to happen with people, by the way, by and large, who found me on TikTok sharing the podcast with their friends, and their friends are now listening to it, and that is unreal. Word of mouth is the number one piece of marketing in anything. I don't care what anyone tells you. It's the most powerful thing, and so I'm pretty honored that people have taken it upon themselves to do that even before I was starting to encourage this, I guess like maybe five, six weeks ago, something like that. It's it is an enormous, enormous help. So to everyone who's done that, thank you. Please keep doing it. Like you guys are amazing. And if you haven't done that yet, and you have some friends who like podcasts and they haven't heard of this one, if you can pick out your favorite episode or maybe this one, maybe it's the most recent and send it to them to give it a try. I, I think they're going to like it. If they're your friend and you're listening to the podcast, I I think they're going to like it. So once again, thank you to everyone who's done that. And to everyone who hasn't, if you want to join the party, that would be awesome. That said, you know what it is. I'm Julian Dory, and this is Trendifier. This is one of the great questions in our culture. Where is the news? You're giving opinions and calling them facts. Everyone understands this, but few seem to do it. If you don't like the status quo, start asking questions. Those are the guys that they're going to find their way into something really fucking cool and you want to be there when they do. It's all about the company you keep, you know.
quality over that quantity. And, and that's the thing that has crushed me about the, the whole social media age is everyone's trying to live the highlight reel. Yes. Uh, and that highlight reel is, you know, out there for millions and millions of people to see and you, you corrupt people like that. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the next decade brings. Uh, Cause now that we're really in the thick of it and people are starting to wise up to it. It's like, you know, what happens from here? Mm. I don't have the answer. And you're not a social media guy, right? Mm -mm. You don't have any of it. None of it. Nope. Did you ever have any of it? Had a Facebook. Uh, OG. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Never had a MySpace. Had a Facebook. Um, for a little bit back, maybe 10, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, that's long gone. Uh, so you were there for the dawn of Michael Spears political rise. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I was very quick to get onto Facebook and then leave Facebook. Mm. Uh, I never had the, I think that was the moment that I said, uh, I never wanted to hop back onto a platform like that. Never dealt with Instagram, dealt with Snapchat. And I do respect Snapchat from the perspective of a tech company. Mm. Uh, cause I think what they do and what research they do and, uh, you can just see in the acquisitions they make, they, they're a little bit more than, you know, the company that allows you to send 10 second nudes. That, that's interesting, though, because when we all look at them like the general public and we're not behind the scenes like you, we see a lot of the same things at the major companies, the ones who won. You mm -hmm. know, you talk Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, whatever. But like what makes Snapchat far more effective in your mind behind the scenes when it comes to tech and what they invest in versus, say, what Facebook's doing through Instagram? Because, you know, you see a lot of filters and stuff there, too, which is what I know you're at least primarily concerned with. Right. Um, if we're doing a one-to-one -one Snapchat and Instagram and, you know, putting that in a vacuum, ignoring Facebook and that Facebook reality uh, part of the company, uh, I, I just think on, on its face, they're both kind of uh, appealing to the lowest common denominator of let's create these really simple, artificial, superficial uh, experiences. And I think that's kind of by design and why they've, they've kept on that pace is they're getting people used to the, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the concept of uh, immersive, I guess. Uh, but what do you, what do you mean by immersive content? That isn't uh, like the dancing hot dog, I guess is mm -hmm. like the one I go to. Uh, that is the, I guess the Miley Cyrus of immersive, I guess I would liken it to. Which is important because at the end of the day, mass adoption is, is what's critical. Yes. Uh, and if you don't have that, you have nothing. You have a cool little tech thing and that's it. Uh, I appreciate Snapchat and Instagram from that perspective of getting people used to the technology, like as Apple drips, stuff like that from, you know, spatial audio to AR kit and all that stuff. Um, but how they go about taking user information and how they go about, um, enabling these influencers i'm not a fan of and i never will be okay i want to come back to the influencer thing because that that was a nice left hook there at the end <laughs> but the point before that is probably more interesting for you in particular and i think about this because i i i've talked with anthony about this i've talked with riley about this i think we did a little bit on the podcast too but never fully extensively and, and that's probably an oversight on my part but th the data point because 
I agree with you that these platforms, and it's not just them, it's a part of the overall system. You know, you look at what the government's been able to do for a long time. Oof. Snowden, shout out to our boy. <laughs> um, but you look at the the viewpoint they can have into all of our lives. And technically we do on the platforms, for example, click the terms of service and allow them to do it. But no one fucking reads those, of course obviously. Nah. But it does require that to give – it requires you giving data to get certain utility out of the platform, like the people right. becoming the product. And the reason I ask you about it is because when we're talking about what SOAR – can do, and we'll get into that for people that didn't hear number 30 or number 50 with Anthony and Riley, who are your co-founders. Sure, you guys are a hologram company, but in order to to put out the tech that you have the ability to do, it does require you to get a lot of data from people. So I think there's a difference between um, acquiring data and handling data. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I think the acquisition of data is a rather important thing. You know, this is how we train neural networks, you know, machine learning models. Mm -hmm. um, it's all about how you handle that data. Uh, some companies, a little better than others. Um, I am 100% against targeted advertising. Um, I understand why people uh, take the data and leverage data and, and use it in that way. You know, it makes a shit ton of money. And I get that. But I, I think that we're seeing a change, especially now with Apple enacting their, uh, their, uh, tracking, uh, mechanism that allows people to basically opt out of this, uh, specific advertising. I actually don't know about that. Can yeah, you fill so, me in? <clears throat> yeah. And this is the whole thing about Facebook running ads saying in, in a nice way as possible, uh, Hey, you know, click that button to let us track you because you want the most relevant ads, of course. Mm -hmm. And Apple's all about, no, we want to give, we don't want to necessarily stop it. We want to make sure users are aware that you're doing this and that they can opt into it or they can opt out of it. Cause I think the acquisition of data is important. Uh, but also the type of data, uh, I, I always liken it to, to, you know, if we, we draw a parallel from the digital world to the physical world, would you be okay with somebody following you on the street? Uh, basically writing down everything you're doing seems harmless because you know, what's the worst that comes out of that? And like, you're not a criminal. So like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't want people knowing everything about me. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a privacy thing. And you know, I don't want to get lost in like some of the minutiae around it because then it gets far above my pay grade for what, <laughs> you know, to the world that you kind of understand. But I still don't see how, you know, you can get around the fact that, okay, maybe you're not collecting what everyone's doing at all times or like the things they like or their information in that way. Mm -hmm. But in order to create a 3D representation of someone live streamed, and if that's going to become, mm -hmm. if your software is going to be adopted as the thing that the world uses, right? you do have to get where they are and what their surroundings are. And that is significant information. And just as sure. like a little context, I, I always use this example just to think of the veracity of tech over, I don't know if that's the word, but like the growth <laughs> of tech right. over time and how crazy it is. But think about in the end of 2001, so what's that, 20 years ago? We were using technology back then. We had the ability 20 years ago such that when Osama bin Laden and the Al-Qaeda guys were recording like in the caves, mm -hmm. they were measuring 
the phosphorus and shit in the rocks on the camera behind them to determine what part of the mountains out in whatever the fuck. Really? Yeah. Yes. So think about, we had that then. Think about the data abilities and what the power of that tech is now. And like you have an understanding of that, oh, yeah. right? For sure. So I still think about it like, okay, maybe we're not collecting who a person's personality is, but we're collecting everywhere they are. Right. Which is inevitable, I think, with the evolution of technology, uh, which at this point, the evolution of man is outpaced by the evolution of technology. And I think that's a good thing because that's how we see these uh, giant leaps. Um, and and that's, that's really great and all. Uh, but we're at a point where you don't have privacy anymore. It's just not a thing you're going to get. It's all about who you trust to handle your data. And what kind of data, data you're cool exposing, uh, you know, email address, uh, maybe phone number, your name, that's all fine stuff. Um, but you know, now that we're getting into, I guess this sort of more immersive future, um, are people going to be okay, you know, potentially wearing a, uh, mixed reality headset that is basically like another eyeball that can see out, uh, would you be okay wearing that? I mean, I'm going to walk around with it. Are other people going to be walking well, around I mean, with it? just think of this. I mean, I know Facebook is partnering with uh, Ray-Ban. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we talked about that. Imagine Luxottica. just... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess the makers of yeah. Ray-Ban. Um, yeah, imagine wearing something like that. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a form factor that feels fine, and it's light enough, you know, maybe a couple ounces at most to, uh, you know, walk in public uh, and basically have a... Uh, computing platform that you know just you're able to engage with that'd be okay extremely with. efficiently yeah that'd be a, i thought you were talking about for a second like the full-blown headsets when you see the motherfuckers like in their living room like batting the wall and shit <laughs> this is all yeah i mean that is the state of where we're at right now we do have a handful of companies uh both publicly and not that are creating these uh this hardware that's a much 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 slimmer form factor uh, so like no one's gonna be walking in the streets with a HoloLens on or a Magic Leap, you know, something that you have a tethered computer to your uh, waist and then you have, you know, these big what look like work goggles on your head. We will get into an all-in-one computing platform uh, pretty soon. Uh, what do you mean by that? Essentially, you know, a pair of sunglasses that have uh, the power of your, your iPhone. So no more Apple Watch, no more iPhone well, in no. your hand. Well, I think we're seeing... I iPhone in the hand, I don't think it just you know magically vanishes. But <clears throat> if we look at the the suite of products, say Apple has right, the watch is an uh, a very important uh, piece of hardware. I think, in my opinion, uh, it's more of a health based piece of hardware, something that you can use. Uh, and they have a lot of new features coming out. Some of the leaks for the next watch are pretty pretty interesting with regards to glucose mon monitoring and stuff like that. Uh, I think the watch, the AirPods, you know, especially the pros that have the ability to use spatial audio plus glasses, you're essentially creating this, uh, this hardware suite that all interact with each other and gives you a, uh, this immersive, uh, way to live. I mean, never mind talking about, you know, BCI's brain computer interfaces that, you know, Elon Musk wants to create where they're like a little thing connected to your brain. Yeah. He doesn't want us talking to each other anymore. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, I, I don't think, I don't think I, I even know what the next 
10 or 15 years is going to bring when it comes to what an average person looks like walking down the street. You know, AirPods came out, right? And people were like, oh, wireless earbuds? Really? That's that's the thing. And then overnight, bam. They got with it. Exactly. People are more, they want something that's easy to use mm -hmm. and gives them value. And I think that's the the key to it. And I think that's why we're not going to see true immersive experiences until there is a headset-based phone, I guess you can liken it to. Because, like, you know, pulling out your phone to create a little or to view a little uh, experience feels not organic. Yes, and that's actually important. Quick sidebar on that. So right now, <clears throat> the main use of your tech as you're going to your clients and they're figuring out how to integrate it is mm -hmm. where you use it with the phone. So you and I could be in here right now and you could put Austin Richard post right here singing and we would have to take out our phone to see him singing and we could blow him up or whatever. Right. So yes and no, I do want to say as a platform, um, we enable AR experiences, right? But at our, at our core, we're a volumetric company. And what that means is video that you can essentially view from any angle. And that's important for a couple of reasons. It doesn't have to be an AR or even VR. It could be just a, an experience in a, a black vacuum of a background, and you can maneuver around or manipulate the content to experience it, whether it's, you know, swing analysis or stuff like that. Not necessarily, you know, streaming uh, Jeff Ross into your living room for, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a comedy concert. Um, I think at its core, 3D uh, content is important, not just in AR, VR perspective, but in a perspective to... Uh, enable more analysis, you know, and more experience that isn't just uh, 2D, I guess. Huh. I I don't know if I fully understood. Can you explain the, how did you say it? Like in a black hole or something? <laughs> the, uh, you got to bear with me. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, what the, the core of what the, yeah, you, cause you said it doesn't have to be AR. It doesn't have to be right. VR. And then you're so, like, you could be looking at something in a yep. black hole. So in a, in a black abyss or a black background of sorts. So essentially is it free viewpoint video where instead of video where you're watching it on a TV screen, mm -hmm. it's a video with that extra dimension that yes. you can manipulate around. Okay. Now we're on the same page. This there is what go. I want to ask about then. Yep. So my point was that right now the adopted way that people could do it if if it were a normal thing that people knew existed, which is what you're mm -hmm. doing right now. You're getting it out to public like, hey, we can do this. Like, let's do it, right? right? They're going to be using their phones because you guys are a software company. Right. You're not a hardware company. Correct. Right? So eventually, you know, we're going to have the football game right here, but to do it without a phone, right? It's going to be through some sort of concoction like a TV, but a TV for 3D that you guys are creating the underlying language for it allowed to do it. Yeah. That initial software for these, uh, for the brand new hardware. So essentially imagine if Apple were to release uh, a headset and you want FaceTime, mm. FaceTime gets another dimension added to it yes. instead of just a 2D video. Yes. Okay. So we're not there yet because that requires more pieces than who you guys are, but right. you are at the point where it's like, we can do this with the phones where we have post Malone or something right here. Right. Your point though, was that you think the adoption of this is going to take where we have that all immersive 3d glasses, so to speak that everyone just in, in vogue wears around. <laughs> 
Yes, I mean we're 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 seeing it already in enterprise, and that's where a lot of the stuff start tri- starts to trickle out of. Um, but you're also seeing it. Uh, I mean, think back ten years ago, right? Uh, a long time know, ago. Yeah, a very long time Fuck. ago. Think about social media then, but think about what's become. We've already enabled mixed reality experiences, but people think of them as these cool Snapchat filters, which is great because that's the way technology evolves and you get people interested and intrigued at the thought of, Hey, this is a pretty cool thing. Oh, and then maybe someone has a thought of, Oh, well, what if I could have uh, John Mayer here, you know, playing a little song and I can watch him uh, at, instead of having the dancing hot dog here to give me some sort of value. Mm-hmm. It's that concept. And what makes you guys, I understand this now, but like just for everyone out there to try to get a feel for it, because we'll get again and review like some of the tech we've talked about on this Mm -hmm. previous podcast. But what makes you guys different from just what they did with the dancing hot dog? (laughs) Right. Uh, So the dancing hot dog in itself is just essentially what is a 3D model, Uh, 3D model, anything you see in like a video game or, you know, really anywhere around. Uh, I think the the even better and deeper question is how are we different than other volumetric companies yes. uh, who you probably don't know the names of uh, most people don't um, for a few reasons, you know, <clears throat> the cost of creating a volumetric experience now um, six figures. And then what you're getting out of that is I guess likened to the dancing hot dog, a very gimmicky experience. Maybe it's someone doing a silly dance, which I don't, I don't know why the fuck people do that. <laughs> But it's something that doesn't bring value nor give you a return on that, uh, I guess, investment if you were to spend 100, 200 grand on a three or four minute experience. But because that dancing, just to be clear, because that dancing hot dog is not live, it's just something that's built into the app through their tech, that mm-hmm. that doesn't cost $100,000 every time, right. obviously. I just meant from the perspective of if you wanted to capture something real volumetrically, yes. something that uh, looks like something, whether it's a real person, a real object, or, you know, something like that. That's the cost of, of capturing something like that right now. You know, a lot of money, a lot of hardware, big places put that hardware, a lot of processing, a lot of rendering, uh, extremely expensive. And it's, it's a problem that we've seen Microsoft try to solve, Google try to solve, uh, as well as these startups that have raised, you know, anywhere from 50 to $200 million. Um, Except those companies that have raised fifty to two hundred million dollars have been trying to say, "Hey, let's let's slim down the Microsoft model. Let's not charge a million dollars for a studio, right? Let's try and make it." Bill you Gates know. charging a million dollars for us. He would never. He also wants to put uh, trackers on. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you gonna go there? Don't not, go not, there. Uh, not, that is not Don't me. That there. is not me. I know. That I is know. not me. I think you were like the first <laughs> vaccinated person I ever met. Yeah, that was back in January. Um, I thought you got it earlier than that. No, the beginning of January, I believe it was. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah, but so essentially these companies wanted to essentially create a, a, sh- a streamlined version of that Microsoft model, you know, charge maybe a hundred grand for a studio, mm. uh, but still limited to the, the fact of this is a tremendous fucking amount of data. You know, this is, you know, terabytes and terabytes of data that you're capturing at once from, you know, anywhere from 50 to a hundred cameras what do you do with that data? How do you get it down to a, a small amount of size, a small amount of file size to then, you know, put, you know, anywhere in the internet for someone to experience. Uh, and the answer was, you don't, you, you don't really do that. Um, and the path we took was instead of going from 
top down, you know, creating very high quality, uh, high cost studio and experience. It's built from the bottom up. Let's create a very small studio that can be purchased for, you know, between all the hardware of one computer, which is basically like a gaming rig, plus, you know, mm-hmm. four to eight off the shelf depth cameras, which, you know, a few hundred bucks each, um, you know, spend five, six grand on this hardware. What if we could create a real time uh, version of this that people can essentially create and stream all in real time at a, a level of what is essentially an HD video bit rate, you know, like 10 to 20 megabit, something you're going to stream off Netflix uh, or, you know, any other uh, video streaming service. What if we could do that? What kind of use cases and experiences can we unlock there? Um, since no one's been able to really answer the problem of or solve the problem of how, how do we enable this? How do we create that compression that allows us to not only get bit rates down to a, a level that anyone can stream uh, really in this country, uh, but retain that high quality that you would expect or, or very close to the high quality you'd expect out of a massive studio. Um, and that's where we walked in. And that's where the compression comes in because this whole point you were making at the front end of that about the problem of a lot of data, even people that aren't coders like me or in the middle of it, we all know that the higher quality something is, the more data you have to capture to do it. Right. It's, it's pretty common sense at this point. But when you're talking about capturing something with six degrees of freedom where it's like you or I are standing right here and we could walk around it and not know you know, until we put our hand through it that it's not real, the amount of – like. It's basically like capturing every little pixel of a person's body in that case and and making it not trick the eye. Right. So to get to that point, you have to create this pipeline of, what would you say, terabytes worth of data and shit, <laughs> right? So the ability to do that live, let alone just do it at all, it's, it's not – you can't do that on YouTube right now with their algorithm. Right. So you guys built that algorithm, and this is what we've talked about, but it, it blows my mind that three assholes in jerseys, <laughs> excuse my French, <laughs> put a team together and figured this out because what you guys did is you built the infrastructure for something that all these big conglomerates with the smartest people in the world at it couldn't do. It's we, an amazing thing. The cool thing about it is you know, research is public, so you can actually read the papers and see all the math these guys are doing and look at it and be like, there's a much simpler way to attack this problem and just do it differently. Obviously you got to have the domain knowledge uh, of a few different industries, have the right people on your team. Uh, it's not any you know single person doing everything. Um, but I, I think we, we hit timing right when it comes to a solution and application like this, you know, volumetric is a rather recent medium development, I guess mm. you could say, uh, people, your average person probably is not aware of it. Um, or, or know it from the, the point of they've seen something in some massive broadcast that has been able to give you a 360 view. And it's like, Oh, Hey, that's really cool. And it's interesting. Um, it, it's just, I feel like a, a timing thing and the right people type of thing. Yeah, and yeah, we are three assholes in New Jersey. It's amazing. At the core of it. I mean, that as a compliment, by the way. It's, it, <laughs> it's amazing because I can just imagine all these guys at these desks, like in Silicon Valley, like, who who figured this out? What? That didn't happen. <laughs> like, they're just offended by it. But you guys did. And, you know, that whole, I, I like the vision 
or the image you put on it of everyone was trying to go top down and you wanted to go bottom up by building that infrastructure. It makes a lot of sense like from what I've seen of how the tech has then progressed because, okay, you built the infrastructure, but then it's like, okay, well, how do we capture it? Mm-hmm. You know, we know the cameras, you knew all the actual physical stuff like, okay, this could be able to do it. We need this type of computer, but how does it look when we do it? How do we now play with that? How do we use this new tool we have to continue to refine this to the point where, again, it's not, you can't really tell. You can't really tell that it's not them. Right. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's certainly an interesting uh, technology, and as we go through product launch these next matter of weeks, working with our initial customers, uh, it's going to be interesting to see the feedback we get, not from just the, obviously, the end user that's experiencing this this medium, uh, but the people using it, because people are, or the, the companies that have been using Volumetric, I guess, up until this point, they're used to these massive processes, these mm-hmm. things where you spend an, a full day trying to capture what's essentially a few minutes of, of, of content. Uh, but it's these massive green screen studios, these massive, you know, a rendering farm of sorts. Uh, and then you wait two weeks, you wait a week or two and, and you get your content. And what it is, it's just like a, a little MP4 file that you can, you know, throw anywhere. Uh, not live, not live, not live, not live. And, and I'm really interested to see the feedback when it comes to creation of the content. Uh, I don't think, even though we have a handful of customers on board, I don't think people really do realize, um, how efficient and easy it is now to create content, which used to take days, weeks, and hundreds of thousands of dollars for a fraction of the cost and a fraction of the time. I mean, on a much stupider, smaller scale, it's across everything. I mean, look look what you're sitting in right now. I'm an asshole in New Jersey, (laughs) right? Like, put together a studio. But I can have John Boric walk in here who's been in the greatest studios known to man throughout right. his entire Emmy-winning career, and he's like, yeah, this is good. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's access to things. There's an ability to, as you pointed out with, like, coding and stuff like that, it's no different with everything else. It's all it's publicly available to learn, Yeah. right? So I think that the content economy we live in right now is absurdly good as far as, yeah, do you get a lot of people throwing shit out there? Sure. <laughs> but, like, the level of talent at the top and the volume at the top is unlike anything I've ever seen, which now is really interesting when you start to consider like, hey, we're looking at it from the 2D world. Right. How does that now look in the 3D world? Right. That's a <clears throat> moment for me. And it's interesting. Uh, and I, I would say the the first domino to fall in that was probably the music industry. Uh, you know, bootlegging was always a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, the whole Metallica Napster controversy. But can you give context on that? I've heard people say that before, but I don't think I've ever seen the story. A condensed version is music gets leaked and it's like, how do we make money? And it's not necessarily about Metallica because Metallica is very rich, influential, and you know, they're not going anywhere and their bottom dollar is fine. It's for everyone else, for, for the people that don't have that massive record deal or for the people that do have that massive record deal. How do they make their money back? And this is why we saw the, the, the rise of streaming services. You know, you see Spotify, you see Apple Music, so on and so forth. That was able to open up at least a revenue stream for people that didn't have it anymore. With that being said, we need to see the next iteration because that revenue stream is very small. You have Spotify, you have Apple Music, you have Amazon all giving you know, a fraction of a cent for, for a play. 
how do creators, how do musicians survive? Even though they don't have to go to a record studio, a recording studio, you can, you know, create your content just in a, in a room and have it be high quality content and, and, and sound great. How do people survive there? Even though you've made it accessible, how do, how do the creators be able to not just create, but live on that? So how does your tech, because I see what you're saying about giving something to the people to be able to use that is accessible, it's affordable, and it it allows the independent, the little guy to be able to put themselves out there. But how does your tech take away the fact that you still have to have, you still have to have access to the public squares? And I'll, I'll expand that because we're living in a, in a very paradoxical time. That's definitely not a word, but we're going to roll with it where we have this decentralized world, you know, people are going remote, people are able to make wealth on the internet more than anything else. People are able to provide value by reaching audiences that they couldn't access if they didn't have the power of technology and the internet. Things like Bitcoin are a major response to an instant. We can talk about that, sure. I see your face, but they're a major response, at least in theory, to the institutions that have fucked over people for a long time, right? So you see all these different patterns, but then you also see massive centralization. And no better example than what you started off our whole conversation with, which is the fact that if you want attention, you have to be on the platforms that have the attention of people, nodes who access them. So when you create your technology, what makes it different from the fact that those people, in order for people, I don't care how good the work is, people have to find them on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, places like that. What changes for those people? Because right now, that's already the battle they have. Right. Um, We are not the ones to change that. We have these massive nodes in places because, and and there's only a few of them, right? And I I think we see a major consolidation. I mean, Facebook owns Facebook, it's, you know, WhatsApp, whatever. Um, You're going to see these central points to uh, consume content. And that's the whole thing that we saw, you know, I hate talking politics, but everything we saw politically, you know, the last one to four years. But it's, it's, it's interesting that people will, we're getting the tools and, you know, blockchain is a great technology, the ability to decentralize to an extent, but until, until people create more open platforms, we'll never lose the, the centralization of consuming content. What do you mean by open platforms? Platforms that d- essentially Twitter has say over their platform. And that's the whole thing. Are, are they a publisher or are they not? Yeah, 2.30, baby. <laughs> you just said you don't like talking politics, but here we go. I, don't, I, I hate talking politics because both sides are wrong. Both sides are also right. So who wins? I, I mean, George Washington said, you know, the division of people, you know, the parties are going to kill us. But here we are. Wait, I, did he really say that? He said that one, one of the old farts said that. I no think. shit. Um, but they were right yeah. is because you have a it's gamified like everything else. You know, the stock market has been gamified. You see Robin Hood. They gamified it. Everything is becoming gamified. Politics are gamified. Why is that? The, the media media has has done that for clicks because no one's reading newspapers anymore. No one's watching that. You know, the six o'clock news. They've had to go to a 24 hour news cycle which is mostly op-ed as well as create these websites of content that pull you in for clicks. So it's, it's just, I hate talking politics because it's either a going to stir people up or B get me canceled in the future. People are going to come back to this and be like, that dude's a nutcase. We're gonna... I think you'd be uncancelable. 
is I don't think you'd give a fuck. <laughs> That's the key. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. And I guess being having enough behind you and having enough, I guess. I hate to bring up money or wealth at a certain point, but having enough to say, fuck you, <laughs> you know, because people don't really have that ability to say, fuck you. The world we live in right now doesn't really allow you to say that outside of, you know, going on Twitter. You can say, fuck you to everyone there. Cause I think people are always chasing it. And that goes from bottom to top. You know, there's, there's an extent to which people who are high up in media who might get canceled or in something, some kind of attention, <laughs> They can't handle it because they can't handle not having the attention. It's not about the money, though they probably are terrible at spending it majority of the time. Right. So maybe some of it does become about, am I going <laughs> to run out? You know, you can see some crazy amounts of money that people will run out of. That's, sure. that's certainly a real thing. But assuming that's not the case, a lot of them are just very afraid of not being able to do that thing for other people in the future. And so they will bow down to, you know, whatever the standard is that people need to say or think. And what happens is that's what gets pushed. And you bring up like the Section 230. And look, man, I, I think I don't envy the position these platforms are in, minus, you know, the wealth that they all get, you know, from building them and shit like that. Minus that aside, I don't envy the position they're in because they're they're fucked either way, <laughs> right? And And – my one thing that I'll always go back to is when you start becoming the arbiter of what goes, that's where no matter what, it's the worst case scenario because you can't, it's hard to go back from that. You know, I'll play devil's, devil's advocate. I don't necessarily think these platforms are fucked. We've seen our country change over the past 10 or 15 years. And these, I don't know if it was intentional, but these companies have ridden that wave. Oh, I don't think they're... Fu I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say... If I came I, across that way, I don't think... I, I think I, they have more power than ever. Yeah, no, I, I get the, the notion of being fucked in... in I think We're the, fucked. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's what I should have said. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's, it's, it's interesting. I, uh, I, I think there's going to have to be a, a massive event or a massive exodus uh, of these social platforms at a certain point because they've spiraled out of control to the point that... Uh, they're being controlled where people thought they were going to be sense of an open platform. Uh, obviously they're not. <laughs> I think a big issue with that though, is it becomes an equal, but opposite situation. So prime example, parlor was parlor started by a centrist. No, it was started by a right winger who's pissed off at the left wing. So all <laughs> the right wingers went there and created a new echo chamber and a reaction. There's a reaction. Yeah. It was poorly designed the whole bit. And you know, then it, it created this like war and they got beat right away to get to a true place where it's just like, you know what, man, anything goes like almost, this is fucked up to say, but almost like a silk road situation, <laughs> but like not selling drugs. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it was just yeah. like, all right, we're doing drugs. Like everything goes <laughs> like not condoning setting something like that up. But the right. concept when it comes to information would be great. I'm just, I'll admit I'm cynical about it because I think everyone has a point of view. And once you, once you become ingrained in that point of view, it's very hard to pull yourself back and see that there are other beliefs and not, by the way, yeah. not for nothing. I, I can, I feel like I can speak on that because I have been both left and right wing in my life. And I know 
how close-minded I was when I was on both of those things. And now it's like, Ugh, you know? I wouldn't call you a cynic. I'd call you a realist. Yeah. You know? And uh, not to tie in the whole red pill, blue pill thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, people just got to stop treating it like a competition. <laughs> you know, we're in the same boat here. Mm-hmm. Everyone's sinking. They're just trying to make it sink faster. That George Washington thing you brought up, though, that's that's the problem. Like what? And and if he's the one who's, I'm gonna look that up after. That's awesome because we do talk about that a lot. I've had guests on here talking about it. It's a theme I like. I believe that the powerful seek to divide the least powerful to remind that to keep their focus off of who's in power. Exactly. So looking at that, that's all it is. Like it's a power comp. Like did. Does a billionaire need to go from one to two billion dollars? No, they do it because it's the fucking game, man. At the same time, it, it, it is hilarious watching the past eighteen months of the pandemic. Uh, you know, people that absolutely shit on you know Jeff Bezos or mm-hmm. any of these people, thinking that their bank account is actually increasing by this amount of value every day, and it's it's hilarious because we've gone we went from you know, buying in retail at Target to buying on Amazon because everything was more efficient. Everyone was pro-Amazon, you know, years ago. It's like, oh, this is so much more efficient. And then they were shitting on Jeff Bezos while purchasing from Amazon mm-hmm. and then complaining about his wealth. Look, he may have had money before Amazon. That's all well and good, but I don't like this. And, and it's not because I want to necessarily be a billionaire, but this treatment of billionaires acting like they are the problem Unless they're, you know, breaking laws, the system is the problem. And the system is owned by that government. And that government are the ones that really call the shots. Why are the loopholes not closed? It's not the billionaires. I mean, they, I'm sure these companies could be lobbying stuff. But the core of it, you're going to hate someone. Yes. Hate the government. Yeah, create a boogeyman, and but but create the right boogeyman. Right. Bezos... I I don't want to leave that one though because he's such an interesting one. Oh yeah. So before I even say this, Amazon, Amazon, <laughs> Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. I'm pointing around the studio all the things from Amazon. Amazon, <laughs> Amazon, Amazon. All Amazon. The custom artwork, not Amazon, but one of the custom or the non-customs Amazon. Right. All this Amazon. That's fuck if I don't appreciate it. They're in. They're maybe the most impressive company I've ever seen, them or Apple. For sure. Right? Oh, yeah. And I regard Jeff Bezos as maybe the best businessman I have ever seen. Yeah. Right? Like I look yep. at Jobs as like the greatest creative in that way. He's a good thinker. Yes. For sure. Yes. But I look at Bezos as like on the context. Oh, he came of- from the Wall Street. Like he, that's, that is, is his background. And that man made a trillion dollar company like that. Yes. In 20 years time? Like what? It's crazy. And and the the if you ever go to the history of Amazon page on Wikipedia, it's tactical. I mean, like oh when you God. read through that timeline, it's incredible what he did. So I never want to take that away. I also don't give a fuck that he's <laughs> worth 150 billion dollars or whatever it is. I don't I really this whole concept of just attacking people because of their net worth, I will never get behind that. That's stupid. Well, people That's, want to blame something. They want yes. to blame the capitalist society for, yes. you know, being able to create billionaires. These they worked hard for it. That doesn't necessarily mean they were in literal coal mines working for it, but they were able, they didn't cheat their way to it. It's not like they were born into, you know, a billion dollars. I can think of a few people, but yeah. Of course. <laughs> and there's definitely a few of them out there. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they, they built a company that solved problems. Yes. 
and then we're able to get people to say, hey, it's a great concept. I, I, I would love to purchase an ebook here, or I would like to buy my clothes if I can get them in, in two days here, or I need X object. I can get that very fast. Very tactical, as you said. That's what I don't want to tear down because that's what we do. When we attack Bezos, they attack everything he did, despite the fact that these same fucking people are buying their shit off Amazon, right? <laughs> I hate that. I don't want to attack greatness. That's a very stupid thing. What I do get concerned with, and I wasn't for a long time, I'll admit, I, I was just like, ah, fuck these people worried about Bezos. I look at actions, mm. right? And we talk about money. You know, I use the example of the person that goes from a billion to two. They don't do it because they need the money. They, money, they do it because of the game. Right. It's, what, it's a way of keeping score, right? And with these, For some. For some. For, that's fair. It's not everyone. But for others, it's like, I want more, 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 more. Mm -hmm. With Bezos, he passed the point a long time ago of the money he wants or needs in his life. We can tell that mathematically. Amazon just keeps growing. Amazon just keeps growing. I look at the actions along the way, and that's what gives me some concern. Because, you know, look at one of the best examples ever. I'm I'm a realist when it comes to government. I think government is largely very very uncoordinated oh, and and by also, design by design a horrible institution yep. but it is it is a necessary thing Agreed. i'm not one of these people who's like get rid of it you know income tax i'm not i'm not there Definitely like that's please. ridiculous but you know one thing i'll give them credit for for sure in the context of history is look what they did with standard oil oh. they saw what john D and john d rockefeller was just a great businessman i know all the fucking conspiracy theorists are going to say shit right now but Fuck off. I, don't, I don't care about that <laughs> The fucking the shit I do know about. He was a phenomenal businessman. He and was a, a shark. He was a shark. Mm. And once they came in there, they realized like, oh, now he's never going to stop because he only knows that we do got to control this. And they did a great. Well, I don't want to say a great job, but they did a job. They, they did a job, and it was good. Yes. Like they broke up those, and that has maintained a. It's an oligopoly, but it's better than it's what it would have been. A monopoly. Yes. Literally a. And people throw that term everywhere now. Nobody, nobody, at least in any tech industry I see right now, has a monopoly because there's competition. It may be a consolidation of competition and you see a duopoly or a, a triopoly or whatever the fuck you're going to call it. But you're going to see a few. It's like there's a reason why there's two, essentially two or three uh, phone choices. You have Apple, you have, you know, the Pixel, Google, and you sure. have Samsung Galaxy because there's no room for other phones. Other phones have tried. When someone gets it right, they get it right. And people gravitate to that. Where does it become – where does it legitimately move from an oligopoly to a monopoly? And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch the definition here. When we say monopoly, it means one. Mm -hmm. That is the definition of the word. I'm going to expand that and say it means two or three. Okay. Because if two or three run it, no one's coming in. After a while, no one's coming in there, right? And, and there's seven and a half billion people on this earth. Like they're going to they're gonna control the marketplace one way or another. And with Amazon, it's like Amazon and Walmart. Right. Right. Like who else is really eBay is not a part of the conversation anymore there for real, for real. Right. Like they have a small percentage. Like who's really in the conversation? Yeah. And with Bezos, it's like, okay, why are you now trying to get rid of the entire pharmaceutical industry and make it Amazon? Do you need to do that? No. Are you going to be able to? Yeah. Cause you're going to go in there for three years and price gouge the fuck out <laughs> of these people. And then you're going to own it. Right. Why do you need to fucking own the Washington post? Like, is that where, is it fuck around and buy a newspaper day? Like, did I miss that? Did I miss that? You know what I mean? I There's all these little things. And so that's where I criticize him because I'm like, I have all the respect for this guy as a businessman, but does he know, like, does he know where to stop? 
how do you fix that? I don't know. I, but what I just said, the government, <laughs> which I, I hate fucking saying that, but that's how, that's the only way I can think of. You're given, you're giving power to someone. Yes. Who is it better yes. in the public sector or the, the private sector? I, I don't know. Cause I think, I think humans at their core can be both bad and good. Mm. But when they, you know, get in the same boat, like the government, it's all show. I mean, it's, it's a, it's political theater. You know, everyone, two sides of the same shit coin, at least privately. Yeah. You see Bezos has blue origin and I'm a very big space guy. And I advocate for more what we've seen. Elon Musk do with SpaceX the past decade versus what NASA did on funding for the past 50 years is we got reusable rockets. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's amazing watching those things, man. but like another guy who is stupid rich, but I know he's been quoted saying the, the purpose of me to acquire wealth is so he can then distribute it into things like Tesla or SpaceX or uh, Neuralink or a boring company, putting acquiring wealth to then solve real problems. And, and I, I say real problem as something that affects humanity yes. is the important thing. And if you're not doing that at the billionaire scale, you shouldn't be a billionaire. And that's why he's on that wall and Bezos isn't. I mean, that's truthfully, fair. and like people will rip Musk on some things. I, I, mm. I don't, I, I'm, I will always be, I call it like I see it. The whole no, pedo thing. Dude, no one is ever, the whole what? The whole pedo thing when he called that cave diver. Uh, oh, that shit was hilarious. <laughs> I don't care about that. That was fucking great. But like, you know, they'll the, the whole Bitcoin thing and whatever. Hey, listen, I'm a realist about some things. I understand Elon Musk's goal is the five ways to help humanity. Like that's, you just nailed it. That's what he sat in his dorm room. Like the five ways I'm going yeah. to help humanity. Solar and like, yeah, I was sitting there smoking weed and he was doing that. <laughs> but, you know, I love that. The fact of the matter is it does require government contracts. Yes, it, it does. Does and I'll take that trade off all day. I want him building that shit for sure. Like, when I see those Falcon rockets land, I'm like, that shit's not real. That's not real. I watched. I watched the fucking space shuttle Columbia blow up like 15 years <laughs> right. ago. We've hit science fiction levels. It's it's crazy. It's insane. So I want him doing that. So like with I'm just using the one example of like a place where people rip him to shreds. When he came out with the Bitcoin thing about the environment, <laughs> I think it was misguided. But I also know that. That's probably not what he thinks. And I also, not. he's not an idiot, dude, putting my little, exactly putting my little tinfoil hat on that. I feel pretty good about in this case, someone at the government came up and tapped him on the shoulder and said, Hey, Elon, you like those contracts, right? You're going to send out a little tweet saying Bitcoin's not too great. Does that mean they want to buy it or crash it? I don't know, but I'm pretty confident in that. So when I see people come back at him, like the idiots on Bitcoin Twitter, like fucking morons. And there's another word we're not allowed to say anymore, but you're that. That came back like you idiot, you you dumbass. They're calling the smartest guy in the world a dumbass. <laughs> Read between the lines, you dumbass. Shout out Wall like, Street bets, dude. I sit there owning Bitcoin, and I was like, keep going down, baby. Keep, <laughs> we deserve it. Like this is bullshit, you know. And I shouldn't be doing that, right? But yeah. you look at it, and that's what our society does. They try to tear down. I look at the full picture, like you, and when I see a guy like that, fucking guy lives in a shack. <laughs> he lives in a shack. He sold all his homes. People just want to, people aren't able to peel back the onion layers. They see, and, and I, it, it's, I mean, no excuses, but you know, you blame the media, you can blame the educational system. You can blame the, the family system, you know, looking at, 
I don't want to get into it too much, but looking into the, the, the worse off cities in our, uh, country, our great country, people don't want to think or don't have the ability to think further and they see something, they react right away. Since we have that social media platform, they're able to, you know, log in and say, Hey, fuck this guy. And that's, and that's it. And then that compounds and you have a lot of assholes around the country and world who never had that ability to express a really stupid opinion. And you have people saying, Hey, I agree with that. And it's like, well, you shouldn't agree with that, but you know, echo chambers are a thing. When I had Toby Mustafa in here, we were like mid conversation on something related to this. And he goes, okay, all men are trash. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, 20,000 retweets, 10,000 likes, fucking 100 comments, and I'm a hero. And I was like, huh? He's like, you see? You, you are incentivized to put out the most ridiculous shit, and then it creates these echo chambers where that's what gets the top of the page attention, and now people gravitate towards it. And so even if 80% of society is like has a brain and knows that that can't be true – they're not going to publicly disagree with it. You know, that's where we run into the whole problem of like people saying there's no such thing as gender and shit. And it's oh, like, it's, it's like, all right, well, look, 10 years from now, yeah. cancel me. There's two genders. <laughs> yeah. I don't give a shit, look, dude. And that's the thing. Like, Unless science proves otherwise, you know, fuck it. There's two genders. And for the people that the, the people can't, the issue with it is people hear you say that. And they think you're you're against the whole alphabet community. And I'm going to call it the alphabet community because I don't know how many fucking letters. And I think there was a number in there last time I heard. I'm not going to touch that, but okay. Look, I'm going to touch it. <laughs> yeah. And if I get canceled in the future. I'm not going to say it right is my point. I'm going to get it wrong. So I'll just let it be exactly how you yeah. describe it. No, no. It's, that. And, and of course, I, I was always an advocate for, for gay marriage because why not? What's the difference? Exactly. There is zero difference. I don't like the people throwing it in your face and you say one thing that is factual and the factual thing is there are only two genders and you're attacked for being, you know, the whole laundry list of horrible things. That's my issue. hundred percent, man. I think that people come at it like, you know, and, and we see it used as a war for people. It's, it's one of those divide and conquer things. Yeah. So when I say that, I'm not also then saying that if someone, especially with the science we have today, wants to be transgender and right. feels trapped in the wrong body, yeah. bro, sis, knock yourself out. For sure. hundred percent. Yeah. But that does mean at some point you're going to be one or the other, right? And right. eventually we will have the medical ability to actually fully change it. And right. I'll accept it 100% when For we sure. do that. I got you no know problem I mean? with that. No problem with it. No. It's when people start saying, well, I don't identify as either or whatever. Again, identify how you want, but I draw the line where they start to then make that law. So like if the government comes out and says you have to say this or right. say, yeah, fuck that. Like I know where that one goes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very good historical example yep. ahead of us of people taking that to lengths that have nothing to do with gender. The nth degree. Yeah. yeah. Look, you want to just everyone leave everyone alone yes just do whatever the fuck you want to do I, it it but that's across everything it's you know uh people rate them racism all that stuff these problems will never go away you know at scale we are an eight billion human world and once we get multiplanetary, we're going to be distributed hatred will survive Hatred yes. is innate. You know, we look at the animal kingdom. We see that there. That will never change. And if we were to get rid of hatred, 
I don't know what happens. Like, you know, you get rid of darkness and everything's light. You get rid of feelings. You get rid of sadness. You're always happy. How you know how to be sad or if, you know, the vice versa, there will always be hatred. You cannot solve it. So long as your rights are not being crushed and you can live your life exactly how you want to live it. People are mean to you in your town. Get the fuck out of your town. You know, that sucks, but life is not fair. It's true. And the way you put that up front with the point about if there's no darkness, then everything's light. So what's the point? That's like the meaning. Like when people say, what is the meaning of life? You nailed it. That's when I think about it. And I think about that question like everyone else does. That's how I look at it. I'm like, the meaning of it is the fact that there are these ups and downs and everyone has it a little bit differently. We all navigate it a little bit differently. Some of us deal with it well. Some of us deal with it not as well. And we learn from both. And so if you can't have that example, if it was always like this utopian society, I don't know how that could exist, you know? And that's not to say like, we need people out there murdering people. <laughs> hey, I wish no one did that. Right. But you know what? It happens. It's crazy shit. And people are, we are complicated, man. We are so fucking complicated. And we're more complicated than pretty much all the species on this earth that we know about because there's so many levels to us. And if we want to sit here and act like the same people who preach love are also not doing hate, then you're living in a, in, in a different world. You know, there's, it, there's these weird parrot. I'm going to get the word right at some point. Paradi paradoxes. <laughs> I still have never Googled it. We're going to go with it. But there's these weird paradoxes that yeah. happen where people think it's just a push or it's just a pull. Right. No, it's physics says it's both. Yeah. And don't even get me started on like quantum entanglement and shit like that. What is quantum entanglement? The, the fact that two particles can be linked together. If one's here and one's in Alpha Centauri, you know light years away the fact that you can observe it and instantaneously faster than the speed of light that particle and that particle have the same exact state which kind of disrupts the 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 you know special relativity relativity with einstein the fact that you know nothing can travel in faster than the speed of light and the whole concept of space and space time the fact that two things and that's why quantum mechanics is such an interesting field is we don't know completely how that works but we use quantum mechanics when it comes to technology but the fact that two things could be linked that are so impossibly far away from each other at the same point upon observation just kind of blows my mind. How does that relate to the world? I understand what you mean now because I had you had to let my science catch up there for a minute. <laughs> You're getting a little, a little far on me. But are you saying that that means that it's the same concept like on our Earth where if one person thinks something somewhere – automatically someone they don't know far away thinks the opposite i don't know okay i might have missed that whole thing yeah <laughs> i got eric weinstein right there <laughs> all i'm saying is you know at, at its core people be good to each other and at the end of the day you don't really know as much as you know and there's so much more to learn and the fact that everyone bickers over really what is considered stupid shit and such small stuff when in reality, we should be focusing on the, the tougher questions. You know, why are we here? What, what are we, I guess, is the, is the better question. You're a really interesting guy because you, you yourself have a lot of different directions. I'm, I'm trying to get a feel for this right now because we got dense there faster than I expected that to happen. But that's usually how it goes. It's like, on the one hand, 
You said sayonara to social media 12 years ago, signed <laughs> off. On the other hand, you're building the things that social media can't even keep up with that's go- that they're going to have to build into. On the one hand, you're about the privacy and the ability to not have to show everything you're doing and have your own individual being and protect your data a la, you know, like what Snowden exposed, as we said. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, it's like, well, we do have to capture a lot of data to do what I'm doing. But you also look at it as like this separate thing where it's like it's only certain data, which people will rip you for. But I understand what you mean. And and I want to talk more about that so i can say which way i go on that but Mm -hmm. i understand what you're getting at you're saying like i don't need to know everything about you i need to know these things and i think that's okay right yes and it's a you can opt out just don't use it (laughs) and that's where the law of large numbers comes in too because same as we were talking about with big platforms that attract a lot of people people want to go around other people inherently right even the most introverted people right like there's an aspect to which they don't want to be alone it's the worst place they can be i'll be the first one to admit it and so the best place to the best places to do that with the easiest access now are through technology because it's like boom i can talk to someone right now if i want to go into a chat room about this table i can do it you know what i mean (laughs) exactly so there's still a which is awesome Social media at its core is a phenomenal concept. Theoretically, it would be perfect. Theoretically. you don't take account of the shitheads. And I think maybe it was uh, George Carlin said, uh, you know, look at the average person you know and then realize half the people are even dumber. (laughs) It's true when you look at the social media, the outlet is now there. And it's like Pandora's box. Once it's opened, can't slam it back closed. Mm. Fuck, man. <laughs> God damn. I, I don't... I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I still want to come back at you, though, <laughs> with, like, your being on this. Because on the one hand, you're like, there has to be good and evil in the world. And on the other hand, you're like, it's the evil that's ruined social media, so fuck that, I'm out. But they're not mutually exclusive, right? So, like, mm. it's good and evil is just... There is no inherent good or evil, right? So like from Mm. like a science perspective, there is nothing that is good or bad. There just is. And, you know, that's why religion who I, which I am very against organized religions. uh, I don't have to dive into that right now, though. Oh, we're going to (laughs) dive, but keep going. (laughs) It's, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting concept that, there is two sides. There will always be two sides, no matter what. And that's just something people have to appreciate. What about the third side? What's that? There can't be a third side. Of course there could be a third side. And there's probably a third side. It's just like how many dimensions do we live in? We could be in the higher dimensions of a 10 dimension existence. Who knows? There could be seven sides. There could be religion though. (laughs) You know, I'm not letting that one go. Fuck. I'll, and I'll give you yeah. up front, I'm much along your opinion with that, where, I, where I'll say, for me, it does also come down to freedom, and, I, and, and it has a positive effect on a lot of people, much sure. more positive than negative. And so when people are, if they're Christian, if they're Muslim, if they're Jewish, and they're devout, I'm all about it. For sure. Do it. Yep. I think that the 
overall ideology that can then infect enough people within there for the wrong reasons creates a massive groupthink that then creates one side or the highway. How is it different than politics? Yes. That's exactly how I view it. Organization of people at scale is a scary thought. So is that like kind of your – I'll let you describe it how you want to. But Yeah. I mean look. I grew up um, going to a, a Sunday school of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Me too. They're not a fan of questions in in the sense of pushing the envelope a little bit, which, hey, you know, by all means, it's, it's your religion or whatever. Um, my my father is Jewish. Um, he doesn't give two shits about religion, ironically, since his family is extremely Jewish. Um, my uncle lives in Israel. Um, my mother's side, uh, Lutheran, is not eh, – take it or leave it. Um, but as soon as I was able to start, I guess, thinking for myself to a degree – uh, they're not huge. I mean, they say they accept everyone and like, not going to do shit about, but like, once you start questioning things, I, I don't like the answers that I get because in reality, they're not answers, you know? And that's why I choose to believe in science. And I'm not saying I don't believe in a God. All I'm saying is show me the proof. There could be, you know, I don't know what happened prior to the big bang. All I know is scientifically i can understand that the people that take the bible or the quran or or the torah whatever literally yes are one crazy sorry and two (laughs) if they go to if they go to cram that down your throat you're just as bad as the extreme conservatives and liberals you know read it's people that go too far in one direction whether that's because they need something to grab hold on to which is fine. Look, if there's something you're going through and religion is your outlet, awesome. It's just like how music is my outlet. That's all well and good. Um, just don't throw it in someone's face or belittle them since they don't believe in Agreed. your version of God or your version of how to be. Which, I, it's just, I don't know, religion is one of those things I, I just, I'm not a huge fan of. Though I do appreciate religion from the historical sense. I think it's extremely fascinating unbelievably uh, it's yeah. you know obviously i've read the bible uh hell of a story oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> whether there's any truth in it's there written like 600 years <laughs> after set events <laughs> thousand years after but I, I think it's extremely fascinating uh i think all religions are fascinating but the fact that we have war based on religion uh that's wild have war in general I, i'm i'm against um but the fact that I mean, what divides a religion and a cult, in my opinion, just scale. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> wow. And cults can get huge, but yeah, oh, yeah. no, no. I And I don't mm-hmm. even really want to add to that. I want to expand upon, like, ask a few things in there, because I think you said that pretty perfectly. That reflects, that's how I look at it, right? Like, and it comes down to like a law of large numbers thing to mm-hmm. that final point. It's yeah, like oh, the yeah. more people you have that can be like that, then that's what you pay attention to. And it's like, you know, the Bible has a lot of great lessons in it, but it's like anything else. What was the Bruce Lee line? Take what's good, leave what's bad, <laughs> right. get the fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> I definitely changed that. But a little bit. Well, that's what it is. You know, <laughs> so, cool. so like, that's how I look at that kind of thing. And I, I'm not, if you started quizzing me on the different chapters in there, I get a lot of shit wrong. But like, I have a lot of the general stories. I think there's good stuff to learn from it, like from a human level, outside of the religion it's supposed to represent. Right. If you wanted to look at some of it literally, how about the fact that we know eyewitness testimony is one of the worst 
things ever <laughs> as far as reliability most of the time. And we're talking about eyewitness testimony that was passed down through like 12 generations that all lived 20 years. I mean, don't give me shit about burning bush. Like, yeah, Come on. yeah. Burning, I got, I got news for you. Acid. Yeah. Acid. A large amount of it too. A lot of it. There's some nice mushroom fields out there. But anyway, <laughs> you know, so that might've happened. It might, it might've happened like in his mind dimensionally, but either way, like, I don't want to be an asshole. It's like, Hey, all that's a lie. I know there's pieces of truth and everything to things. We know that like people like Jesus Christ was, uh, was a historical figure who existed, but like, did he walk on water? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. We'll I mean, say. look, how were the pyramids built? If you're going to be one the of the pyra- tin foil hat guys, I don't know. Yeah. And, and that's a great point. What makes religion different from a tinfoil hat theory in theory, like in the scale? Yeah. It's just scale. Uh, You know, you have all these assholes who have crazy theories. And at the end of the day, it's a theory because we can't prove it. Yeah. It can't become a law. And that's why I love science so much, especially physics is there's so many theories. Everything is theoretical until things, you know, we need to experiment more. That's the, the fun part of, I guess, existence to me. And that's why I don't try and it's not, in my opinion, it's not bad being a fence sitter. I like to hear input from every side, whether there's three or seven sides, I like to hear everything and then make my own conclusion. You know, I'll go on CNN, I'll go on Fox. Yeah. And then I say, they're both spinning shit. Yeah. Good for you for still doing that. At the end of the day, I still don't give a shit. I just want to be, you know, knowledgeable about some sort of, you know, world events. It's, it's just people have to be open. Now, here's where it's an interesting place for you to bring this up, though. You talk about you believe in science. And, like, I've spoken with you a lot. I agree with you. I think that's what you're all about. You believe in science as science is defined to be, which is question everything, argue over proof, figure out what the best proof is, and continue iterating over time as yep. new information comes in. For sure. So there's things we may know right now that we're like, aha, later, like, we don't actually know what it is. And that's right. how you look at it. When when the word science, however, is thrown around these days, I think science is the new religion because everyone who got a fucking D in physics and never paid attention and was probably smoking weed at the age of 13, not looking at the laws of dimension while they were doing it, more likely watching MTV or jerking off. We're doing both. Those are the people – we're doing both, exactly. Those are the people who are throwing around there and getting 30,000 retweets every time saying trust, trust the, the science. science. Oh, God. And it's like – <laughs> but but they don't believe in science. So how do you level with that as someone who – you use the term because you have to – I mean it's, it's, it's don't supposed try. to be a great term. You don't try. What do you mean you don't try? There's enough information out there if someone wants to be open-minded and learn. We have the internet. There's literally zero excuse nowadays. You can't it, – you just don't reason with people like that. You don't you – because don't, it's never a fruitful conversation. But those are the people a lot of times that drive attention. This goes back to the social platform points because they're a part of pushing that quote-unquote science narrative. Not yep. all of them, but in some cases they have been. Won't name names, but they've been a part of pushing that narrative of, no, this is the science. This is how it goes. But like, why does it matter, right? Social media is such a very small part of our world, and that's taken – it is. It's taken to the news. And for the people that don't follow social media, which are a lot of people, or news, they're conjoined at the hip. You have things spiral out of control a little bit, but that's also not what necessarily the majority of people think. 30,000 likes versus 8 billion people is a different thing. True, but there's a, there's a million tweets behind that that have a similar level. And how many of them are real people? Very fair. Glad you asked that. A lot of them are, are bots and systems that are set up that 
push, by the way, the blue check mafia, right? It's like Reddit. Um, I've got a few views on Reddit, and I do appreciate Reddit as a platform, even though every subreddit is its own echo chamber. Um, it's good knowing knowing that going in, but it's like the uh, the politics subreddit, which is now just a pure liberal subreddit. It's interesting. You don't know who's posting, uh, but it is fascinating. Uh, I remember when Ghislaine uh, Maxwell got arrested. Uh, there was a account there. It was called Maxwell H or something. You're like coming that. for all the smoke today. I love it. Let's go. And uh, the everyone considers it a massive conspiracy theory that the account was hers, but very coincidental that the account stopped posting uh, when she got arrested. She was one of the largest accounts uh, in politics and news. And the obviously everything she would push was you know anti-Trump and you know very pro-liberal, uh, but it's interesting seeing that we have this anonymous world in the sense on, on on the internet that you don't know who you're getting information from. That's the scary part for me. I I will disagree with the one point you made at the start of that that I think is also the one we need to talk about because it drives well what does doesn't drive it it considers what what is it that drives everything what is it that drives results politically geopolitically socially internationally whatever and that is sentiment and so mm. you know do i agree with you that there are plenty of people who just don't participate in that world yeah actually more than you because you're still on reddit you know okay. it's not like a true educational not, yeah yeah it's not like the others where your face is out there and it's like Baker said today, it's like, you're probably like tin man number five or whatever. Like, like, you know, I fucked your mom 69, like all these TikTok accounts. That's, that's probably you, but you know, you're on there like that. You're even still using it to an extent and it is driving, like you get these kernels of information all day. And chances are most people do own an iPhone. Like it's not everyone or, you know, mm -hmm. a, an Android, right. like, but it's, it's, it's more than half of society in, in civilized world. And so I do think that that stuff does drive narratives because it honestly it does. I'm, oh, I won't disagree with that. It drives narratives. So what but, do you what do you mean by the, where's that narrative going and what circle is that narrative a part of? So the point is that ne not necessarily we are all, and I guess maybe it's uh, I won't say just our generation, but like a subset of our generation is very uh, social driven. Mm, How yeah. large of that is that circle? You know, because everything, you know, something starts on social media and then breaks to the news or starts on news and then, you know, flames and on social media. But how large is that circle actually? And how much, and not just how large, how much influence does it have on actual things? Actual things meaning outside of the news and po uh, politics sphere of, of influence. Like what? Anything that's real. Anything that's uh, education based. Anything that isn't a game, I should say. Because at, at its core, uh, news has turned into a game. You know who can get the most attention what's not a game go back to the gamification of everything that's what i mean every what's not stock a game? markets become a game which is crazy because it's the one thing that obviously the <laughs> the deck is stacked against you but now that we have these retail traders coming up in in large groups and they're driven by these you know massive whales going against the other whales the hedge funds which you know you ne you're never going to be to fund it's just you don't have the money but I everything to tell a few people that <laughs> everything is being gamified and that's the i guess that is that is a scary point because now thinking about it that while that that influence of social media and news uh it did start out very small it has been grown where's the point that it stops stops that scale 
your parents who were telling you don't believe what you see on the internet and all that shit 10 years later we're talking about blockchain ballots you know as a global conspiracy and it's <laughs> funny you bring that up because my mom keeps sent me with stuff of like oh did you see this on the, the internet this research study i'm like well one you read a headline two mm -hmm. you didn't read the study and three i can do my own study right now put on the internet and get you know 10,000 clicks and you know then people play at the headline you're yeah. believing the shit on the internet now and too. that's the that's the truth and then it starts to and i think about it all the time because it's like well what is the truth is it who's who am i to say quote i'm informed because i read a hundred different things instead of 10 like is there a number to it <laughs> and then there's nuance to what you're reading there's nuance to the to the things that that little kernels in your head that could plant you in one direction that you otherwise don't think about. Like I was talking with, with my friend's wife yesterday and she was going over like nutrition in, in foods and like pesticides mm -hmm. and shit, like all this shit that I, I don't know anything <laughs> about. And I, I would like troll a couple times and throw out these stupid one liners <laughs> like, Oh, I'm not a pussy or whatever. And then I threw out, I don't even remember what I said, but I, it was like, no vegetables are supposed to be X, Y, or Z. And she's like, and who the fuck told you that? <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know. I read it somewhere. And she's like, you read it somewhere. <laughs> and and then I thought, I'm like, she's right. She's right. Because then she's and, – and it doesn't matter if she's right on her point. Maybe she is. Maybe she isn't. I, I think right. she, she might be, but unfortunately. <laughs> but, you know, like she's right in the sense that how often do we do that on the smallest things or the biggest things? Like, oh, yeah, I saw this. So it must be true. That's it. That's what yeah. happened, you know, because there's so much information coming at us. That's why I just – I don't talk one. I don't talk on things I don't know about, especially things that I really don't know about to the point of like, I can, you know, talk about like the back of my hand, which is a very small amount of categories, everything else. I just take in the information information and say, Hmm, interesting. Okay. Well, if it's that interesting and I think about it when I'm heading to sleep at midnight, maybe I'll actually look into it. If not gone. Mm. Do you like, do you think people could be as, naturally reasonable as you are though you're an sure incredibly reasonable person i really hope not because then we wouldn't have fun you're such a paradox <laughs> i hope i i think there's one of me in the i mean if you subscribe to the multiverse theory uh, well we can hop into that but God, one of me even... in this universe is is by more than enough than we can handle i think i'm doing i'm doing this sober right now you're killing me. <laughs> yeah I, well I, look, I'm also a realist in the sense that I understand that things that come out of my mouth, especially throughout the day every day, not just on camera or whatever, things that come out of guest's mouth, things that come out of my friend's mouth, my family's mouth, we are going to contradict ourselves several times a day of course. and maybe not even know it on things. That is how crazy the nuance in this world is, and I'm okay with that, and I'll admit it when it happens. And oh, yeah. there's also a difference between contradicting and changing your mind on something, though. You know, I do that all the time. Right. When I hear when someone sits across from me and they present a case on something that previously I would have been like, fuck that. And now <laughs> they present a great case. And then I look at it myself as well. Look at some sources and I'm like, I feel confident enough to say, I think they're right. And I was wrong. And now that's my opinion. Like we right. need to have that. And that's another thing, by the way, that gets punished. And when I was bringing up the sciences, the new religion point, that's exactly what I'm talking about, man, because it extends it. It, it goes to. It goes to propaganda, not science. I mean, right. yeah. you saw what happened with this lab leak theory. I knew about the lab leak fucking in March 2020. Oh, yeah, But course. if I had tweeted about it, Oof. I was a racist, but I wasn't a racist if I said a person from China ate a fucking bat. 
that wasn't racist. You know what I mean? There's this cross between social and 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 knowledge, and that's what scares me because they hide it underneath an important word like that. Right. We live in extremes. You know, uh, at our core, we're the mo most of people are are binary people, and I mean, I'll obviously not talk about the gender aspect of that, but the fact that you're a zero or a one, you play on a spectrum. And you have the extreme, you have the extreme. Yes. We should live in the gray, in the middle 98%. You know, it's cool acknowledging the extremes. Outside of that, be open. Just everything comes, comes back to that. And I, this whole racist thing, oh, God, I know. It's a divide and conquer thing, man. And of it course. Does, and it doesn't mean, you know, my position, it, like, it certainly exists. And we have, we definitely have some problems. I think it's like exactly what you say, though. We take problems and we make them far more extreme than they are. I try to pull them back to the middle. Sometimes I do a bad job, you know, like I, and I'm not going to I'm not going to be perfect on guiding the conversation on everything. And I hear it sometimes when I'm in an episode like, man, I really went hard at this or that or whatever. And like, I'll get better over time. That's my hope. But overall, at least 30,000 foot in the air view, I do. I do really believe that's that's what we do. We take it farther than it is. And instead of saying like, hey, we might have an okay system or a good system on something and it needs X, Y, and Z improvements, let's do that. We say the whole thing's fucked and let's tear it down. It's like, well, Well, I no. mean, we're in this instant gratification era. Yeah. Uh, and people also don't want to be wrong. Mm. If you're not wrong, how do you grow? I don't know. I... I, I I'll take a step away from saying I love being wrong, but I kind of do love being wrong because then, you know, hey, I learned something. And that's that's what that's what matters, because if you're not growing and evolving, what's the point of anything? But then you inject it in, into something really emotional. It's very hard to to do that, especially when you have a public skin in the game on it, whether that be something like a tweet or your literal identity. People you know, are too emotional. Agreed. Agreed. I think that too much pragmatism and no emotion is a problem. For sure. I think too much emotion and not enough pragmatism is a problem. Gray area. Yes. Yes. But like you, you mentioned you have family in Israel. You said? I do. I do. So here's a, here's a great example right here. Because like on the Israel-Palestine thing, which is, a, is as old as time, yeah. you know, I don't make a lot of friends on that because I'm not anti either of them. Right. I, I understand their positions and I feel horrible. I think Israel, everyone around them, around them hates them and tries to blow them off the face of planet Earth every yeah, day. Of course. That country was formed after the world failed the Jewish people and allowed – I'm not going to say that they yeah. knew the extent it was going right. to go, but the signs were there and they did For nothing. Sure. And the world went, oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh my God. And rightfully right. so. We yeah. owe these people a lot. And they said, well, here you go. Right. Yeah. But then you also had other people there who weren't part of that and everything. But now they had already been ruled by Britain and everything. And it's like, get the fuck out. And it's not like this is just like right. some place in Europe. Yep. This is like a holy land. And so I feel horrible for everyone involved. And yet when I talk to people who are hard on one side or the other of the situation, there is no ability for nuance there and it's Oof. it's sad to me yeah of course uh, there's not really anything you talk about that you know the whole nuance thing it, it's really not at the same time just goes back to the whole religion thing well here here's a question for you judaism it is a religion is it a race that's a great question i've thought about that before 
and it's I, I don't have an answer for you because like I also don't like I don't like defining. I'm one of those. Like I, I don't I don't like putting people in a box or whatever. <laughs> like you know you got to be like evidentiary. Like is there right. is there are there different sects like SECTS of mm-hmm. you know Asian races? Are there are there Anglo-Saxons? Are there black people? Are there people just want to put a label on everyone? Yeah. So like it's kind of weird. It's like anything though. People innately feel like they need to understand and and compartmentalize each thing no matter what mm. yeah you know, we see the music you know how many subgenres fall out of rock music you know you see the movies but people just have to understand like what you like and don't hate what you don't like i, I feel like people don't have that that ability a lot of people don't have that ability they have to be the correct one all right devil's advocate for everything i just said and you just said if that's the case, do we? Why are there two genders? <laughs> science said there are two genders. So science is behind that. Well, I mean, there's two genders because, like, we can just see, you know, sexual organs. There's there's two genders, and I that's how I see genders is the ability to uh, procreate. You know, drawing parallels to the animal kingdom, just like that. Mm. Sexual preference and gender are two different things, in my opinion. I mean, obviously they are, but yeah, that's that's my stance on that. With race, though, and here's why I think that argument does stand up. The content of humanity is based on the ability of humanity, not the physical way a human looks. That's why we can have someone who walks this earth right now who's eight feet tall and another person who's four feet tall, right? right? And it happens. And it's no different with the skin tone or color of your skin, which has to do, by the way, literally with like climate (laughs) and, and evolution over time. It doesn't have to do with like brain fun like right like in the yeah. movie Django, the most ridiculous scene maybe of the whole thing remember when leonardo's like taking the skull out or whatever and he goes now if i go right here and i smash this skull in three parts you will see a dent right here right here and it's like you listen to that and you're like oh this is why these people were very very dumb right yeah. because they're they're looking at it from a physical perspective and right. it's like that that has nothing to it's all an internal thing Whereas with gender, and this is why I think your argument's okay, you have something that, yes, you can see it physically, but it has an internal function, right? So mm-hmm. a male has a certain half of the procreation, right? Right. That the female has a different half of, and then they play a different role physically and technically, like emotionally and all the other things in how that then happens. Right. Right. Like a male doesn't birth a female. Right. Or, or doesn't birth a kid. Right. right, the female does, but the male injects his sperm for the female to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. What uh, what do you want me to hit on there? I figured you were just going to bat that back, but I, I don't no, know. No, no, I'm, 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 you're just in full agreement there. That was full logic there. Okay. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that. All right, so that's why I I view the the gender and and the race thing a, a little different, and I wish like it's not for me to say too. Being at the top of the intersectionality curve is a cisgender white male, but it's not. Check your privilege, not, man. Hey, checked it right at the door, baby. We used to walk into bars, and Mike Spear would like stop you, Mike Spear. like like you'd walk in, and and he'd be like, "Oh," and I'd be like, "What?" And he's like, "Coat rack," and point to the coat rack, and we're like, "What?" And he's like, "Check your fucking privilege, man." And I'm like, "Fuck you!" Oh wow. Yeah, we'll throw back for you, but anyway, like I I don't. I don't look at that as 
for me to say on how to define it because as humans one of the failures we have is we have we've had people like leonardo dicaprio and django in the past who decide that oh, yeah. oh i'm smart even though they're a moron right? right and then they inflict the worst of the worst on other people you know so it is it, it is a topic of conversation that's important i do dream of a world though where no one ever fucking noticed it <laughs> it's not gonna be in my lifetime but you I know i don't think we'll ever get there i don't know that we will but, like that's a good thing about humanity we shouldn't have to you should have the right to think and say whatever the fuck you want, so long as you're not, you know, aggressive and in someone's face about it. You want to think that there's a pasta god in the sky and that all black people are bad or all Jews are bad? Then you're right, sure. It is your right, and you should be defeated with logic. Right, and you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And and that person would be wrong. But you know, so long as they're not going around murdering people, or you know doing anything that has an actual physical impact, you know, digital platforms be damned. That's not substance. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with whatever the hell you want to think, because who am I to say you tell you what's right and what's wrong. And to tie into someone that would argue right against that and use the example of like in Nazi Germany, when the government was saying these things about Jewish people and the build up to that. Mm -hmm. Oh, so that was okay. No, first of all, you're not saying it's okay at all. That's oh, God, not the no. point Ooh. you're saying. It's fucking terrible. Oh yeah. And there's a huge difference there, too. They were the government. They had the ability <laughs> right. to silence everyone else. Yep. You are talking about in a free marketplace of people outside exactly. the government yeah. to be able to be defeated on bad ideas. Right. Completely agree. Yep. If the government starts saying that stuff, that's a different now story. We're, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get the guns out. I yes, mean, that's that's, sure. that's end war times, right? Oh, so, yeah. yeah I, I, we talked about that on a podcast early on. I had my friend Alex Horowitz in here from eight sleep and he just nailed it on some things where he Great brought bets. up he brought up the section 230 stuff and mm -hmm. he's like look the, it's their right to do this but the the right. pandora's box that's been opened here is that again like i don't think they asked for this i don't think they were sitting around in rooms in 03 like we're going to create the global place <laughs> for people to think but right. they have it now and the fact of the matter is and this is why i was disagreeing with one of your points earlier the main public squares are social. They are online. They're the communities that people go to. And so how do you level with that? It's tough. You don't. I think it's as easy as that. It's just like, you know, that it is what it is. You know, we, we've seen, you know, generations ago, you know, public lynchings, things happening. It, it's who can command the respect and the admiration from the most amount of people. And I think that's, and I hope as we become like a multiplanetary species, uh, we are distributed to the point of, you know, we extreme people are someplace, yes. you know, and not saying you create a utopia on Mars or, you know, if we terraform any planet, <laughs> but, the, but the, the ability to disagree in a nice manner, because without that, you don't have evolution. You don't. You don't – without that, the it's stories of sides. history don't happen. Positive and negative charge. Yes. Like that's, that's what we are made of and that's what it should be. It's just the extremes. And that's – if you want to be extreme in your own head and you know talk about what you want to say, that's fine. You're probably either going to be alone or you're going to have a very small amount of people. But the fact that social media existed, that small amount of people in their basements were able to say, hey – bunch of small other people, a small amount of people over there said the same exact thing as us. Let's group up with them in yes. large numbers. And that's, that's where all these different 
like factions form because it's weird that mm. another paradox like we have two polarized sides that have attention more than ever but we have subgroups within them that are toxic and it's crazy you know how big are those extremes we so we see it right we see it in the in the way of likes and internet points and we see it in the sense of news and I'll do air quotes around news because news is to the point where it's mostly opinion based right now, at least, you know, the larger corporations. Because people want something to either massively agree with and defend or massively disagree with an attack. Just like sports and everyone yes. talking about like, who's the goat? My question is who the fuck cares? <laughs> How do you get to an answer? You don't. People are going to be doing this thing over and over and over again with LeBron, MJ, LeBron, MJ, Kobe. <laughs> and we talk about that, that one example all the time on here in different combos I've had with people. And it's like one of the things I took from Kobe's death is I'm like done fighting over what these guys do on the court. Appreciate. Right. Of course. I fucking love watching it. Like Michael Jordan was unbelievable. When I watched mm. LeBron James, he's a physical specimen, the likes of which I've never seen. It's unbelievable what he pulls off. For like, sure. I'm going to enjoy mm. the shit out of it. And it's important to keep it to on the court because you can disagree with LeBron off the court. You can disagree with how he handled China. You can disagree how he handles a bunch of stuff. And, and I do. But in a vacuum, LeBron is hell of an athlete unbelievable Unreal. one of the greatest to ever play the game and I, I look at the good and the bad but like off the court too you know oh, yeah he, be he, aware of it he doesn't does, impact my my goat debate <laughs> he, he does incredible philanthropy Oof, like he's walked yeah. the talk with that it's an amazing thing everything he's done for akron and just yeah the country it's been incredible yeah. didn't forget where he came from i really like that i appreciate and that. so there there is a lot of good i think people get pissed when he gets when he gets very um what's the word adamant politically you know almost like kind of talking down to people who could possibly disagree with him but you know what in all honesty that's what we've created if you're on one of the two sides that's what you do politics has permeated every industry i i i agree with your right to want to i i don't agree with like kneeling for the anthem i also don't agree with the anthem being there i came for a sporting match I want to see people play sports, you know, keep everything out of it. You want to state your opinion. That's cool. It's like the, with the Olympics now you're repping your country. That's and, different. Yeah. yeah. That's a little different, but I, I don't know. We, we become such a charged society, especially politically. And it just permeates through everywhere. And if you don't agree, like before it used to be, you don't agree about one thing. We can agree about something else. Now it's like, Oh, you're a Trump supporter. Mm, boogeyman. You're, you're, you're dead to me. That's such a fair take. You know what I'd relate it to? Because people would be like, well, sports is different because everyone knows about it and the people are famous. <laughs> okay, do they play the national anthem at the beginning of every movie and TV show you watch? <laughs> yeah. I never th- if I go I'm, see Metallica, a... are they playing the national anthem there? Dude, I, I'll admit I've never thought of this. I That's my opinion there. Yeah, and, and, and my stance always was like, free country, do what you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like when people are seemingly using a situation to overdo it or make points that aren't necessary. And I'm with you when it comes to the Olympics, you decided to represent your country. If you don't like it, no problem. Don't go represent them. Like that's the one place where it's like, this is a literal expectation. (laughs) And like, they're also, you're not, 
the Olympics brings together like every country with a viable population around the world of all different colors and everything. This is one place where white supremacy is probably not going to be a great argument. <laughs> it's a, and it's also a country competition. It's not who's the best individual performer. Yes. It's who has the best, who has the best athletes? Who people, does the best? People have a tough time not making it about themselves though in oh, today's era. Oh no, that's, that's what we're all about though. <laughs> it's, it's sad. And, and when I talk to guys like you, especially, you know, your conundrum, cause you're in the middle of building stuff. You're not like this off grid fucking ripping a bogue in a back seat somewhere. And like, you know, reminiscing on the seventies and being born in the wrong decade. You're one of these guys who's like, no, you're in the middle of building shit, but you also recognize that like this whole public forum. No, no, no. Like I, I, I don't need to, I don't need to concern myself with that for the most part, which is cool. But you know, it's still a matter of society being affected by it and, and changing like our, our level of narcissism, whether mm. you participate or not, you know, we all have a degree of it. I even, dude, I'll look back on old posts I did and I'll ask myself the question now, right? Why did I do that? Why did I put that up? Was that because I wanted to or because I wanted to appear a certain way to other people? And that retrospective is extremely important. And yeah. that's, I don't have that uh, option. Like I can't go look at posts. I can think about what I was like or what I said years ago. I've been pretty consistent in, I guess, my views after a certain point. Uh but I appreciate that about you, that, that you can you can do that and, and grow from there. Yeah, I, I do think I have the cheat codes in the sense that, I mean, I talk with people for a long time on here. So, like, there's 150 hours of me talking to people online. <laughs> if you wanted to know who I am, guess what? It's there. Yeah. You know, these aren't 10-minute combos where I can kind of act, right? Right. So, I'm very... Disen what's what's the word desensitized to it like yeah. it's it's what it is and my flaws are out there my good things are out there it's whatever but i think part of it was as i was going through this process that that was the final step to my perspective because i was always more wired to not be like that i was a late like i was on social media early but then never was not on instagram Right. Really? I was, dude, I was doing marketing on Instagram for people for two years and I wasn't on there. <laughs> right. Like I, I was like, who the fuck? And they'd be like, yo, make an Instagram. I'm like, who the fuck wants to see what I, you know what I mean? <laughs> but then you get on it and it's the gamification thing. Right. And you don't think about it. And so I wasn't the worst with it. Trust me. Like I wasn't out there like, and here's what I'm having for breakfast. Yeah. Here's my avocado toast. <laughs> like there was none of that. But I still look back on some stuff. I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? Right. You know? So I, I, I don't know if I would be all the way there if I wasn't already forced to like just put this out there and fail and succeed in front of people or whatever it's going to be. But that's a nice thing to come of it because I have that. And then I talk with people like you who can have these these 30,000 foot in the air views on stuff like this and, and see the things that are wrong with it. And then it, it does make you think about, okay, well, what role do I play in it? That level of maturation is extremely important. Uh at the end of it, the role that is important though. You're right. It's like, what role do I play in it? Uh, but remember the average person, they don't think that that far, no. nor do they want to, because you know, they're in the highlight reels and that's all they care about. They don't care about life. They care about that highlight. I, I don't, the thing is though, I, I empathize with most of those people, especially when I know them too. You know, and I and I can talk to them when they're not taking a picture with a filter for Instagram or taking a video of whatever the fuck. And it's like a lot of those people, not all of them, a lot of them, though, completely fake life on there <laughs> and unhappy. And, you know, it's the hamster wheel and they don't know they're on it. 
and you can sit there and try to show them that maybe you should consider. I don't say like, yo, you're on it, but I'll try to like be like, you know, what about this? They don't want the red pill. They, they, they don't want the what? The red pill. What's Matrix, the- red pill, blue pill. Either, you know, you're cool and living in the matrix uh, or you want to come out of it and like get some sort of self-awareness. God, I thought you were talking about the other red pill for a minute, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. They, they don't, they don't want that. And it's like, I can't tell them what to do. And maybe 10 years from now, they'll still be just as miserable because they're trying to live up to this thing that they can't be. Yeah. And, and that's exactly, there's an ex- expectation, I guess, set, uh, maybe a little informally for a lot of people when they go on these platforms and they say, Oh, I'm not, I'm not as good as I should be. What does that mean? People don't want to, people have all their you know own answers for that, but it, it's just an interesting, interesting concept of people and how they interact with, with, with seeing that stuff. It comes up a lot. I'm just thinking about this. Like it, it comes up a lot on here and everything, but I think it's a great topic because it is something that the majority of people can relate to mm-hmm. that they struggle with. And few people consistently talk about it openly with different perspectives. If it were just me getting in front of the camera every day and talking about this, it'd be the dumbest <laughs> thing ever. But I, seriously, right. I get to have all different people who many times don't know the last person who was sitting there and they can all talk about it in, in their own way. And, and some of the favorite messages i get from people who i don't fucking know which is still a little wild but you know aren't the ones so much about the podcast though that is very cool i I, those do mean a lot to me but it's the ones where people are talking about like hey you know you're inspiring me to be more open about what i think or more open with being myself especially on social media like i got one that said that like word for word last week and i'm like that's cool because maybe if we weren't doing this shit right here, that kid would have never seen right. this kind of thing and then continues on the hamster wheel and just maybe listening to one thing that someone else said in here. He's like, whoa, this guy brought in this other guy who made this point and now, boom, I didn't know who that person was, but here I am. Yeah, because you do good. And I mean, you do actual good things. And if you can make somebody actually think a little bit, because all it takes is 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 a little nudge. And once that domino you know, hits into the other ones. It's kind of like people, people wake up a little bit. They say, Oh, interesting. And they follow that. They keep pulling the string, keep pulling the string. And where does it lead them? What, what about in your world though? Because you know what the stereotypes are. You're in it. So you can, you can bat down what's right and what's wrong, or at least what you think of that. But outside of it, a lot of us see tech as this closed community oh. where things like, Science is the new religion ideas come out of from the outside where people are like, oh, that must be what it is. But, you know, I'm a realist about it, too, because I'm like the, the brilliance and the talent and the incredible help to humanity in many ways that this industry has brought. It's, it's everything, right? Like you said earlier, there's good and there's bad. And one of the bad things to me from the outside, correct me if I'm wrong, is that there is a significant level of groupthink, like accepted thought, and here's what it is. So as a guy like you, you are a pure creator in there. You're you're not just the co-founder of your company. You're the CTO. You're building this shit every day. You are bringing this tool to people. You are one of the people who they're going to talk about like, oh, Baker brought the world this software right here that now we take for granted because we use it every fucking day. And so in the context, like they'll talk how they talk then, but 
you have to then get your way through this community. You have to have these conversations with people. You aren't afraid to put your opinions out there and everything. Do you worry about the fact that there is such a level to which things that you say, I mean, you've said it as an, as an aside a couple times today, like, oh, they might cancel me for this or, oh, you know, whatever. Do you worry about the fact that, A, that could happen and B, it could prevent you from doing what you want to do to, to bring this thing to the world? Oof. It's a loaded question. It is. Um, no, I try and be authentic whenever I can. And whenever I can, it should be all the time. Uh, I, I, I don't feel like I say bad things in the sense of hurting people. Uh, I, I don't try and single out people unless they need to be singled out for a reason that isn't based on race or religion or something like that. Good. But I try and foster a culture, at least at, at the company that is extremely open-minded. Uh, we do roundtables every couple of weeks. Someone suggests a topic and everyone just gets together and we bring uh, outside folk to. I'd love to have you on one of those as well. Would love to. Are you talking about the engineering team? Company-wide. Company oh, the wide. whole thing? Yeah, we okay. do roundtables. We started on crypto, went to black holes. Just like fun stuff people want to talk about and learn about because we've got some really bright bright minds there. Um, but, you know, I, I, I at the end of the day, I do what's best for the company and what's best for the shareholders. Cause without them, you know, we're nothing. Yes. And, and I hope they buy into at an early stage, you know, it's yeah, you buy into the product idea and, and all that, but you're not buying into the numbers and the, and the revenue you're buying into the people. And I try and be authentic and I try and say what I actually believe and not sugarcoat it. That may be harsh for some people, but you know, we're also living in an age where everyone gets a trophy and I'm extremely against that. You should get a trophy. I, trophies be damned outside like the Nobel Prize. You should be recognized when you should be recognized. And that's it. Keep your path. And so long as you're a good person, that's that's all I care about. Be good and then do good. That's what I try and live by. Yeah, the participation trophy culture has infected everything. <laughs> and it's it's created a world where people believe that everyone can be a winner. And <laughs> Not may, everyone's a winner. Yeah. A lot of losers out there. But in the nicest way possible. Just because, and everyone goes through that. You you are a loser, and then you're a winner. It's like socks don't just go up. You know, it's it's cyclical. You can lose, but then that should give you the drive to win. But once you win, be gracious because you know the next thing that happens is you're probably gonna lose. Einstein he won with his you know theory of relativity. Awesome. How about after that? A lot of losing, mm -hmm. and you know the conversations with Niels Bohr about quantum physics and you know how he was against that. And then, you know, Boris proven right about a bunch of stuff. You win, you lose. That's life. People expect life to be a, a certain thing and, and, you know, linear in a lot of aspects. Uh, but it's, it's just not. I can imagine, though, it's, you know, you talk about, yeah, your job is to restore value to or, or, or create value for shareholders and the people who support you and everything. And that does create, and this is with everything in society within the context of the economy. This is how it works. It does create these boxes you have to check, right? So there are battles you pick and battles you ignore. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. I'm a real, there are people who are like, you need to stand for every goddamn thing every second. And I'm like, that's not how life works. Nope. You don't need to be talking about the meaning of gender with a guy who wants to invest $5 million in you. <laughs> that is not the thing. But I am curious when, you know, 
things do infringe upon something like freedom for you, which is a huge thing. You know, you've expressed that today, talking with you off camera. You're the kind of guy, and I think you literally said this. You're like on, on camera today. You want people to do what they want to do, you know, and everything. And there are a lot of people who think they want that for people but are messaging the opposite. And there happen to be a lot of people like that who work broadly in the tech space. Yeah, that's – I don't know. Outside looking in, what, what's your what's your perspective on that? My perspective is that people get painted one side or the other and that there are a lot of people out there who actually may very well agree with one side or the other but try to make a point counter to opposite side, quote unquote, and they get labeled and it's actually wrong. So like and, – and some of that's very personal for me because it's hard to say – the words liberal or conservative with what I believe, because I don't even know what those two words mean anymore, to be frank with you. Um, it's it's a very <laughs> fluid thing. But in the context of traditional liberalism, say like five years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I definitely lean that way. I have a few beliefs that conservatives would yell at me if I said I was conservative about, but I'm not liberal about. And that tends to be on like taxes and government, mm -hmm. right? But, you know, conservatives want – they think the IRS should be – I'm talking about hardcore conservatives. Yeah, so they yeah. want the IRS like gone, no income – like I don't believe in any of that. I'll pay taxes. I'm cool with all that shit, right? Mm -hmm. I just am a realist about it. But when I go to, to paint ideas out there, whenever I take something that is assumed to not be on one side, not the other side, but not be on one side, I'm attacked. And I see it all the time on TikTok because – Oof. The TikTok algorithm hates me because <laughs> one post is going to hit all the lefties and they're going to like the fuck out of it. And the next post is going to hit all the righties. And then when they send it to one or the other, oh. they're like, I thought you were on our side. Get the pitchforks. And I'm like, no, that's the whole point. And so you're asking me how I look at it from the outside. I look at it like tech is creating the arbiter of – not the arbiter, the, the, the places where we express these things and they want to better humanity. They want to solve problems and stuff. But there are these accepted ways of thinking, and then they, they allow for the extremes to define what everyone else is. And to me, a lot of us live where I am in the gray area, in the hardcore gray area, and they get ignored. Well, it's, that's the ma majority of the world because what's interesting about it? Nothing. The gray area is not interesting. It's the extremes that are actually interesting. You think people get, will get clicks? Well, they didn't. That's why they went to the extremes, and that's why you see all these news outlets – and the the stuff people want to consume is extreme content, which is ironic because as a country, we've tried to defeat extremism in the world. But people don't realize and look, you know, inwards. That is what we 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 have cultured as a society is extremism. And you wonder why that, you know, terrorists exist and stuff like that. I can explain easily why they exist. Look Do at it. us. Look at how. Our government – and nobody gives a shit about the rest of the world as an American, right? You care about yourself, the majority of people, and your, your country, and that's it. Our country does a lot of bad. People don't realize that as well, and there's a lot of people that hate us because of that. Yeah. And people wonder why we've gotten attacked and things like that. Terrible things have happened. Lots of people have died. But to say that we are innocent is crazy. But we have a – 
we have a very nice smile while we while we do it, and we have a lot of citizens that have great smiles when they do it as well. It's you know the the media. You know, I keep coming back to that because, like, they do a lot of damage and they cultivate this extremism that then permeates through all these many sectors around the country. And at a certain point, you have what is essentially only two two sides and then a middle who I wouldn't even consider a side. It's just a middle, that, that gray area. And that's that's the terrible thing about, uh, I guess, us is that happens everywhere in every industry. Tech industry is no different. Uh, we have these massive companies essentially acting like governments. Governments can't regulate, you know, a handful of companies that equal the GDP of, you know, a lot of nations around the world. What are they going to do? You know, without the, the tech industry, this, what, what good is this country for? We, we import a lot of shit right now. Our biggest export is technology companies, you know, Google, Facebook, Apple, this stuff is prevalent across the whole world. They are the ones that make the decisions. I mean, they are, you know, they're the ones that are able to then give people the ability to, you know, say whatever the hell they want to say. And then, you know, there's born the the extremism. And that's what gets the, all these algorithms on social media go for the, the, the most awarded posts or the most, the posts with the most likes. Of course, they're going to be extreme. Why wouldn't they be? Mm. Fuck, man. Blowing my mind today. <laughs> this happens a lot in here because I, I get a chance to talk to people a lot smarter than me, and they come in here and they say answers. To I would say I'm a lot smarter than you. <laughs> you're you're smart as fuck, but they say these things that have like 14 ideas in them, and I'm like, I want to hit all of them, and but, I contradict myself all the time. No, that's okay. I do too. As I told you, I do too. But when you're talking about tech as being that arm, like it almost like their own government. You also said earlier that someone has to have the power and it's going to get bastardized or something like that when it when it mm-hmm. does. And so I don't think that changes by the point you just made. I, I, I think that's what it is. And the only thing is when you look at these Googles and, the, and these Apples and stuff as tech companies from the U.S., what does that even mean anymore? Because it's globally scaled, you know, and money responds around the world. You brought up – here's a good example. Uh, outside of tech too. Fuck it. We'll go there. <laughs> like you brought up the China example with the NBA. This is another one where I piss off everyone because I thought it was crazy the things that were said publicly by the players and coaches after that, that where they weren't calling shit out. But I also understood because it's like, well, would you open your mouth to then give up? hundreds of billions of dollars that is going to cost your buddies as well. You know what I mean? It's a fine line Un- to walk. Unfortunately, that's a really tough spot to be, but these guys, yeah. they're reliant on that Chinese market is enormous. It's a yeah. deal with the devil. I mean, look at Daryl Morey, who I'm a massive fan of, and I'm I'm so thankful he's in Philadelphia. Love I, that I think guy. so highly of him. I think he's a, a mastermind. And, and you're a huge basketball fan. Massive. Right? Yeah. Huge Sixers fan. Um, trust the process, of course. <laughs> What Daryl Morey did, which is, you know, a simple tweet, uh, it just sh- also shows how powerful social media platforms are and how powerful tech is. The fact that China said, no, fuck you. And then Daryl Morey was like, oh, okay. And the NBA was like, oh, shit. All right. Well, players don't do that. And no one said shit after that. It's it's another one of those shit or fart situations because <laughs> I want them to be able to say that. 
and I and I am proud of him for saying it. I didn't even know anything. I thought Hong Kong and Taiwan were like the same thing, or whatever. And that's an indictment against our education. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So that gave me like then I looked into that situation, and I still get it mixed up sometimes. But like sure Taiwan's the one that, that's a country. Anyway, <laughs> um, I think that's like four times on this podcast. <laughs> I don't think they like me in China very much. So Not at that's all. What it is. So like I I think it was great that he did that, and then I felt horrible about the backlash, and I also. One thing I don't like is like when LeBron and Harden and some of these guys want to address it Oof. when there was when there was throwing Maury under the bus, they didn't need to do that. Don't feign ignorance. LeBron's look, LeBron may be one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And I won't even say that he didn't go to college because I my views on college are, you know, not great. I, He's not a dummy. I he, I hate that argument for him to say that comment. Full knowingly, of course, because obviously, you know, like Elon Musk, they are smart people in the, in the sense of they know what to say and what to not say. The fact that he said that, just say, I have no comment. But no, he wanted to have the, uh, I guess, some sort of dick swinging contest or something. And he had to say the statement he said. And that was gross. Yeah, I, I think it was. If you watch that pre that initial press conference, like during practice, right after it happened, where he said that, I believe the line John Bork brought it up. I think the line he had was that Daryl Morey seems uneducated okay, yep. on the situation. It was like, well, first mm -hmm. of all, the words "uneducated" and Daryl Morey, I don't know <laughs> that you can put those in the same sentence with a straight face, unless um, they're separated by is not. But th this is where LeBron gets himself in trouble because I I think like. He, he he's a smart guy who sometimes says dumb things and i think mm -hmm. it's the same story every time he just kind of he lives by that social media era just instant react and he doesn't think and so this was a situation where it happened in person with the media but like it was an instant response and it was like what do you think uh, i think he's uneducated about it we need to get the story off this what do i say and he said something really fucking dumb and that's where i like that's what i'm going to criticize because i'm like okay you i understand you're in a tough spot here and now the camera's on you and you don't want to now really bury the ship here and cost everyone all the money in the right. world. But don't attack that guy. That's the thing. Yeah. There's a difference between, you know, playing defense and going on the offense. Correct. And he did the latter. And Correct. it was a horrible thing to see. And everyone knew it was bullshit. He knew it was bullshit. Why his team didn't step up prior to that. And I mean, I'm sure his team said, told him various shit to say. But it's LeBron James, you know. There's no one in the world bigger than him. So what he says goes, and he has 100% control over what he says. He does. He does. And it's guys now are held to a higher standard because of the exchange of information and the amount of it we can get and the places where you can communicate it. So, you know, it's not fair to compare communication to other generations that didn't have this. Oh, yeah, no, that, of course not. I, that I don't do. But that's just, look, that's one example of a major league and a foreign power that you know, has all this shit and whatever, but you know, it, it, it's another overall example of the blurring of lines of borders and how this whole world is interconnected and money is what runs it. Well, because at its core, it's not just a major league. It's a business. At its core, it's a business. It's just like Apple bowing down to China on some things. If you want your product in their country, you play by the rules, which I understand. You may not agree with the rules. And I think that's what people have a, have a problem trying to understand is you play by the rules. You play by the law of the land. You may not agree with it. If you are, you know, that against it, don't do business there. But at the end of the day, money runs everything. You know, that's where the utopitarian thing though comes in for me. Cause in theory, you're right. We shouldn't be, 
you know, if you don't want to play by the rules of somewhere else that you decide to be in, good, don't play by the rules. But it's much easier for, say, Google to quote unquote take a stand and leave Google China when they weren't making any fucking money there <laughs> versus Apple leaving China one day when, by the way, China produces all their parts at a low price so that we can actually afford these goddamn things. And secondly, they have an enormous market. Right. You know, like you said it yourself and it's true. I'm and I don't disagree with it. You there is a responsibility you have to serve the shareholders. You can't be like, you know, fuck that, I'm gonna be a hippie today. You know, <laughs> it's not that simple. So I no. I push back on in the sense that, you know, that's that's where I don't have a good answer for you, period. I don't think there is one. You know? You know, I, I genuinely don't believe there's not there's a good answer. Or or an answer that satisfies people. All people, right? Because a good answer is all relative, but the satisfaction of people receiving that answer is, is the, the hard part. Because at the end of the day, you're right. Businesses, they can do good. And like to rope Apple in there, privacy is a very big thing. Here we go. And, Here we and go. I Let's really go. appreciate Apple taking that, that stance. But if it wasn't for all the bullshit from Google and Facebook, would they be so adamant about it? Mm. I don't know because they carved themselves a niche of saying, oh, we're the most privacy focused, massive tech company. Awesome. It's also selling a lot of fucking iPhones. <laughs> Can you explain to people why they have that argument? Like what precautions they – you did say earlier – this came up a little bit and we touched it. You said that they'll ask permission right. for things yep. for you to do. So but are there other things too? Yeah, so they'll they'll ask you if you so if a website or an app or someone wants to track you track information whether it's you know location or or whatever uh, now there's going to be a prompt that uh, it says hey you know X wants to track you are you are you sure you can either say yes or no um, a lot of I, the, the the data has been saying a lot of people have been opting out for obvious reasons mm -hmm. um, and that's why Facebook ran all these ads about hey you know we're trying to give you the best experience and you know please, uh, you're going to hurt the small businesses and all that. And it's like, come on, Mark, what are you, what are you saying there? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> you see the video of him a few weeks ago on July 4th with the whole, no. with the flat. Oh my God. You didn't see this? No. The flag of him on Lake Tahoe. When I say I'm not on the internet, I'm really not on the you internet. You are. Dude, this was like Zuckerberg. He got, remember, remember the thing. You definitely saw this one a couple years ago. And I'm talking away from the mic people. That's why I'm far away right now. I'm trying to get it. <laughs> But a couple of years ago when he wore like all the sunscreen on his face where he looked like a ghost. I, I don't think I remember. You don't remember that? I don't think I remember that. So this was him this time on Lake Tahoe. He was just like, I don't know what the fuck. That, <laughs> that looks like a submarine on top of the water. But he had the, I liked it. He had the American flag going. Very patriotic. <laughs> Mark trying to rebrand his image. Look, I'll, I'll never say anything about, bad about Mark. Because um, who knows? Maybe we'll be under the Facebook umbrella one day. Oh God! Uh, I got my issues with Facebook from a privacy perspective, though I do appreciate them leading a charge in uh, a mix, the mixed reality sector. Uh, like I've been saying all all podcasts, there's good and there's bad. Yes, uh, and people can be both. People, you know, someone's not just 100 percent good or 100 percent bad, uh, unless you have like a legitimate mental illness. Um, Zuck has done an unbelievable job growing a company uh, out of nothing. Yes. And now positioning himself for a potential max exodus of that platform to be a leader in the mixed reality space, you know, with that billion dollar acquisition of Oculus. And now, and you know, the Facebook reality labs is just the, so many people 
are were hired for that. You know, you're talking about thousands of people. Th- that that will be their you know lasting legacy. Can you explain this whole thing? I, I've I've heard about this deal. Anthony told me about this, but I I've not researched this at all. So pretend I know nothing. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> when you're looking at mixed reality, there's the obvious leader of Microsoft when it comes to Viometric, when it comes to the Hololens, you know, HMDs. Um, then there's the the Apple and the Googles of setting the groundwork, you know, wanting to uh, give you the good frameworks, ARKit, ARCore, that developers can use to create augmented reality experiences, right? And there's Facebook. Facebook, you know, up until the Oculus acquisition, you know, handful of years ago, they were a social media company, still are a social media company. Um, <clears throat> ironically, a social media company for the older generation now. But what they are trying to do is essentially lead us into the the mixed reality uh, generation. So they that's where a lot of their money is going to, a lot of their R&D, a lot of their time is trying to build on top of Oculus, uh, create their own mixed reality hardware, their own mixed reality operating system. Because at the end of the day, as we've seen with you know lawsuits flying around everywhere between Microsoft, Apple, uh, the whole App Store thing, the operating system, and who owns the uh, the the key to that gate. That's mm-hmm. the important part. And Facebook said, "Well, fuck, we don't have our own phone OS. We don't have anything like that. We need to create an operating system. So let's say let's let's charge forward with the whole mixed reality thing." Let's create our own mixed reality operating system. So when people use Oculus or they use our mixed reality headset, they're going to be using Facebook top to bottom instead of using someone's hardware like Apple, uh, using a Facebook application on Apple, because obviously we've seen what that can bring and people bitching about app store fees and and all that stuff. So they bought, how long ago did they buy Oculus? Mm. Was it five, six years ago? Okay. So they're building out. So when I see all those people batting around the pinata in their living room, like I talked about, that's that's the Oculus usually that they're using. The Oculus is the VR headset now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Facebook is trying to create that world, which they have one foot in with the Instagram people, you know, because like they have the AR stuff like Snapchat has, right? So Instagram and Snapchat are big competitors. Snapchat just made a half a billion dollar acquisition of a. Uh, uh, wave optics a hardware company to you know create their spectacles and whatever their final uh ar glasses platform will be facebook and snapchat are working in the dark that people don't really see to create the next the next phone but ensuring that their operating system is front and center but the phone is glasses right mm. he who owns the hardware sets the rules yes that's wild to think about because we're so tied into, you know, even if people are PC people, you're so tied into the Mac OS with the iPhones. It's the most common thing. Well, they made an ecosystem. That was the point was, you know, that for better or for worse, they have a walled garden. And, you know, that brings security, that brings privacy, but that removes some freedoms, right? So like, you know, the ability to do things on Android or PC versus Mac and iOS, you know, that's why there's a whole jailbreak community around the, the iPhones. Uh, that's it, what Steve wanted. He wanted the Walt Garden. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which I understand because uh, security-wise, it is the best. You know, you are the, the buck starts and stops with you, you know, and that's why for the longest time, Macs weren't really getting viruses, whereas, you know, Windows and PCs were, you know, riddled with them. Um, I do think they went extreme with it. 
I don't know of a better solution than what they did. Um, but that's just another thing is like, you know, clothes are open in that sense. It's just like any logic gate, you know, there's a flip on flip off, you know, zero and one. So it's interesting to see how that's going to evolve with more players in the space, uh, when it comes to the operating system level. Mm. And how far away do you think Facebook is with this, I guess like mixed reality multiverse kind of deal? The metaverse, I guess people yeah. are calling yeah, it. Metaverse, I'm sorry. At, like how close to adoption are we? We talk in mass adoption. How close are we to a significant portion of the population a being aware of and b at least interacting with if not adding their own thing into it but at least watching other people be a part of it are we we've already hit the ladder you know everything with filters and everything that's just step one that's dipping the toe in i think we're about i think once apple releases their obviously nothing public yet but once they release some news about their headset let alone show it at, at a conference over the next one to two, two and a half years, that's going to be the whistle. We're going to see everyone really bring to public light what they're working on. Then we're in like the, you know, the old school space race who can create the best. It's not always the first it's who does it best. You yes. Know, USA wasn't the first in space. We're sure. Certainly the best at it though. Yes. Okay. So now, now I'm, thinking a little bit based off what you started this with though because you were saying fa- you like what facebook's doing building this this metaverse that is going to be on their operating system right. and everything but obviously as you just pointed out apple is working on the same thing in their operating system so they are just directly competing with that and hypothetically you know apple could end up winning this and making what zuckerberg's doing irrelevant i don't think making irrelevant um there's always going to be room, especially when you're it's trillion dollar company against trillion dollar company. So long as your mm-hmm. product is good, I mean, everyone will probably not remember or you know they blacked it out with the Windows Phone. Microsoft tried to make a phone, and it was not great. Oh, I remember. <laughs> it was not great, and that's why we're down to essentially two companies. I, I will say too, because Samsung, you, know, you you make quality phones, but like you're using Android. Who's who owns Android? Google. Yeah. So at the end of the day. The person that owns the hardware and software aspect of it reigns king. And there can be multiple of them. There can be a handful of them because over the years, Apple, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, Snapchat, they've grown their user bases, loyal user bases. What that'll mean for the next generation of hardware, I'm not sure. But it's we're seeing it. I liken it to you know the cord cutting phase, right? You see Netflix. Netflix was the end all be all. You saw Disney, you know? They own now Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN. Mm-hmm. You see Comcast with Peacock. You see uh, AT&T with HBO Max. The list goes on and on. We won't have that degree of uh, amount of participants in the race. And I think the, the court cutting, we'll, we'll see consolidation uh, back oh, towards yes. the mean oh, yes. of yes. amount of companies. Uh, but I do think in the, in the sense of how many people can there be, there will be multiple winners. Apple will win. Google will win. Facebook will win. Snapchat will win. But outside of that, you're going to have a lot of smaller people. Mm. My my issue with Zuckerberg, and I don't want to be a hater and, and take away stuff. For one thing, 
if you look into that case, he did not make that alone. The right. Winklevoss twins got fucked there. Mm-hmm. If they had waited an extra year to settle that case, Mark Zuckerberg would not own Facebook today. Those two would. Reason Because what happened was there was a hardware drive that was released, I, I think, a year after the case settled that had all the instant messages of Zuckerberg right. admitting that you know he basically took the idea and ran with it himself, which he wasn't allowed to do. Anyway, <laughs> my issue with him is that he did create an unbelievable thing with Facebook, you know, being a part of that and then bringing it up. Like he was the guy that then brought it to market and everything. Right. But Facebook, the reason that they're so successful is because they are at that point now. They've been at that point where they can buy stuff to they, – they can buy the talent. Right. And so I don't I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, Facebook's going to fail because guess what? Facebook's bank account is not failing. Last time I checked. Oh, yeah. Right. But when I look at leadership in space, I think that's going to be really hard for them to be an all out leader or win a space moving forward, because I look at what they've done and what they've done is he ruined Facebook. It's a fucking dumpster fire. He made it uncool. He took it from where the 12 to 16-year-olds were loving it and moved it, you know, to try to appeal to everyone, which is instantly when something is then no longer cool and you have your fucking uncle on there putting opinions <laughs> up and people are like, I'm out. So then when Instagram makes something, he brilliantly goes in and buys it and then slowly ripped that platform away. When Sistrom yep. and Krieger stepped aside officially in August 2018, the floodgates opened, and now Instagram went from the most impressive, beautiful user interface I ever saw to a dumpster fire. And, you know, look at what he did to WhatsApp with the data. Mm. Now everyone's on Signal. Everything he touches dies. So, like, to me... That's fair. To me, like, Oculus, and I don't know nearly enough about Oculus. I'm not qualified to really go there. I know the basics. But a company like that, he bought them. He's running them. Or he's telling them what to do, at least. There's no reason he can't ruin that. And the fact of the matter is, I, I used to hit Apple for after Steve died. I'm like, two, three years after he died, I'm like, man, they don't have any innovation. They're just building on top of what he did. And to an extent... That's kind of still the case. Still is. But they brilliantly are creating... There's some things I think they're fucking up, like some simplicity things. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, they are brilliantly iterating, and they're putting themselves in a position with a war chest where they're going to be able to get the next Steve in there and let him tell them what to do. I don't see that culture at Facebook. What I do see at Facebook is their stock price going up. Yes. Agreed. I think... Trying to align on, on what I want to say with Facebook, um, they made Facebook <clears throat> a very complex beast, and that took away the joy of, uh, you know, gamification. You know, the, the whole swipe right, swipe left, two button clicks, and you made a million dollars or whatever. And that's ironically why you see the older crowd gravitate towards it. <laughs> it's it's just whaleish enough where they get their their social fun out of it. And all the younger kids are going to, you know, Snapchat, which is, you know, quick flash in the pan type picture thing. Um, Facebook is, is interesting because I don't think their lack, lack of privacy focused software will kill them because I don't believe the majority of people in the country or even world give two shits. Will that change in the next decade? Maybe I hope it does because I think, your personal information is, is should be extremely important to you and you should have total say over it. But I can see Facebook since we're entering a new era 
kind of reinvent themselves and create a platform that is extremely open, simple, and something that the because they are building a product for a, a new generation. It's it's a brand new thing. You know, they're starting from square one and everything they've done, correct or wrong, whatever your opinion is, hopefully they've learned from it. And they're a massive enough company where they can get it right. I I, I hope that they do get it right for the sense of uh, innovation and advancement. And I'm bef- behind anyone who wants to evolve the, the industry in the world, because I, I believe that we're entering a, a spatial future that the more, the better, so long as it's handled correctly. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I'm rooting for them. Like I, I, I want people, I want the great people to make the great innovations. And as you said, handle it correctly. I know some of them won't and we'll have to deal with it as it happens. I don't know who it's going to be. I look at some tea leaves and say, I see some things I don't like there, but maybe sure. they will be the ones like he's, he is, he has enough of an ego that I could see him like purposely destroying Instagram while he's building this to fuck around and, you know, build the perfect thing. Again. I don't know him, but like, that's my comments on Zuckerberg. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get Sistrom in that seat right there. That would be something. Lock the door and say, Hey bro, just pretend it's you and me. <laughs> Everything. I want to hear it all. Because, like, you know, what what they did, I just have the, the ultimate... If you would have told a male in 2010, a teenage male, hey, five years from now, you're going to be spending all your time on your phone on a white app where you double tap for a fucking heart, and it's all in, like, size 8 font, and the women are using filters, and guess what? So are you. They would have said, when did my balls come off? But guess what? We all did. That's how brilliant that goddamn thing was. So I respect it, and I hate what he what Zuckerberg did to it. So it's a little personal. But b- back to Apple, because it, like, and I appreciate you clearing up some of the data things again, because it, it still it spins around in my head a lot. But I look at some of the other examples when it comes to the actual privacy of the phone itself. Mm-hmm. And I see a couple different narratives, and I don't really know how it works. I know some of it, but I I know what I read through what other people say, and now I'd like to go to a source who does know a lot about this. So on one hand, you could see something like the San Bernardino shooter, mm-hmm. which happened back end of 2015, and right. very quick spark notes. The San Bernardino shooter killed all these people, awful guy. The government was asking Tim Cook to unlock his iPhone, and Tim Cook, huge shout out to him, he said no, not because he didn't hate that guy and want the government to be able to get whatever they needed to save other lives, but he said, if I do this, where's the slippery slope and what happens next? So yeah. that was a very, very hard decision, and he did a great job. Sure. The other end of it is when we've looked at the government's power, and we've mentioned Snowden in passing a, a few times today, but let's just go straight down that. <laughs> so what Snowden was talking about with the government being able to spy on everyone has to do with legislation that was passed and things that were basically cutting around the law and breaking the constitution to do it. Mm -hmm. But how did they do it? They did it by, as he'll explain it, your iPhone, your anything connected to the internet, your camera on your, on your laptop and, and the phone, especially like, let's just go back to that. (laughs) They can spy on whatever, like they can look into what you're doing at any time. Right. They have to do that through an Apple product. So is that Apple not protecting it, or does Apple just not have any ability to stop it? Oof. That's a gray area, because it's an Apple product from where you enter the internet, but the internet is the big space. Mm. Uh, Because you could talk about, you know, user information on the phone. You could talk about the internet 
at large. And you can also talk about the cloud-based part of Apple, right? So like this, <clears throat> the stuff that isn't necessarily stored on phone, but stored maybe in the cloud, their servers, whether it's their servers or Google's servers or Amazon servers. So it's, it's the question of uh, who's responsible for what. And at the end of the day, it's, it, it's a murky area because your information is all sorts of places and it can be accessed from a bunch of vulnerable points. Mm. Um, I do. I, I will say that Apple protects the shit out of their hardware for sure. As well as their cloud and their backend. They do a hell of a job doing it. Then how does the government look in through my, through my iPhone camera? The NS- Not that they're looking at yeah, me, yeah. but I'm saying like they could be looking at anyone. The, and that's why a lot of these companies have a, uh, either you see like the flaps on the phone now, or you have like little light indicators that, you know, should go on whenever someone's looking through your, your shit, uh, like on a MacBook. So like you, t- you put on FaceTime or something, there should be like a little green dot that goes mm-hmm. on and says, Hey, you know, video's live or like on your phone, you'll notice the orange or green dot now, uh, with the new iOS that says, Hey, your microphone's live. Why is it live? But it's, it's interesting. It's, uh. The government, Snowden revealed a lot of shit, for sure. He did. And I'm a big fan of his and what he did. Uh, but it, it's it's interesting how the government has a lot more, and and I believe it was total bullshit that like they couldn't get into the phone themselves. I don't believe that. They definitely oh, can. They could. Yeah. They did. And they have. They did. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why they brought it public. Because they wanted to make a point uh, that we are the decision makers here. Apple, you bow to us. And Tim was like, nah, yeah. Wait, wait, no. Hold on. Let's build on that. They might have brought it public so that they'd put it in Tim Cook's court to fuck up or of not course. fucked up. Yeah, it's and power then, struggle. And then when he was like, no, we're not doing it. They're like, see, Tim said we couldn't do it. So, yeah, all right, all right, pack up, go home, boys. It's over. Whereas in reality, they yeah. things are only public at that scale when they want it to be public. Yes. Obviously, that was a strategy on the government's end yeah. that they they wanted it public because they wanted to set a a precedent. They set one for sure, uh, but that just grows a distrust in them. Whereas Apple said, "You know what? We are not the government. Uh, you can you can believe in us, and you can you can know and be sure of that. We'll try and protect your information." Uh, so long as it's not an extreme potential edge case. Uh, but Apple does great. I, I don't know as much about other companies when it comes to Google or Facebook or even telecoms. You know, that's a big thing. You know, Comcast and the Verizons of the world, how they are able to work with governments uh, and, and, and give information. All this stuff is not, you know, you know, very public. You might find it on some forums and whatnot. But at the end of the day, for, for most of the companies or a lot of the companies, they're okay collaborating with the government because the government – and that circles back to like, why are there so many loopholes in tax code and stuff like that? It's just – it's a team game. It is, but it's the literal definition of, of down the slippery slope we go and we're already <laughs> down it. And it's like right. you know, one of my big things about Snowden is that the guy did this amazing thing. To me, and he violated a slippery slope, which is the argument there because right. he did have to break the chain of command to do it. So, For what sure. does the next guy do? Yep. I still have to be a pragmatist and look at it and say, what was the reality of the situation here? If he had taken that into the chain of command, is he ever heard from again? Oh no, no, no. Shot. of course not. No. This was the only way for him to do it, and I deem it on unfortunately a hypocritical basis as yes, it was it was far 
more than important enough for him to do it. My problem is it happened, and most people six months later were like, oh, yeah, that. <laughs> no one real. they're like, wow, this guy was leaking all this shit, and everyone knew what he did, but they didn't know what he did. They didn't actually pay attention to it. And then Why would they? Why would they? It's like cows to the glue factory, man. And, you know, I, I feel like it's almost in vain what he did because they've only expanded upon it. We've seen it. They, you know, and it, it, it's so scary to me because even though we have a lot of problems in whatever it is, could be social issues, could be our government and all the things you and I may complain about about that. I will still say that we have the best overall country and systems in the world, and oh, yeah. I just want to look to improve them. Oh, yeah. But it scares me when I see things that it's like this is where it starts, and if it keeps going, there will be a point. It's not tomorrow. It's probably not 10 years from now, but there will be a point where we might not be able to say that anymore. I think we'll always be king of the shit mountain. You know, I, I think as we grow – the rest of the world will grow as well and bad will grow with it. But it's, it is interesting thinking about, you know, even like the next 10 or 15 years in that regard. I I don't know, looking back 15 years ago, 20 years ago before Snowden, uh, you kind of lived in some sort of uh, blissful ignorance, I guess, for a lot of people. And the majority of people still do because why? Because the media doesn't want to, they don't want you to see that stuff. They don't because obviously all these big media conglomerates are friends with each other and friends with the government and all that. They care about they they don't care about you knowing everything and learning. They want to keep you riled up for one reason or another. So the next ten or fifteen years, are we going to see another Snowden? Are we going to see another uh, event like that as, as time goes on? I, I, I bet so, and I and I hope so, because we do need a level of. I guess, visibility and transparency. Uh, but at the same time, I can, I can understand the, the government not wanting secrets leaked out. Uh, but at the same time, again, because, uh, c- you know, for national security and all that. But what are they actually doing? Because, like, I get don't give your competitor or, you know, a, a foreign hostile uh, group knowledge. But at the same time, what are they doing to us or for us? Or to them externally, or for them externally, there is a trade-off, a massive one. Yeah, yeah, there, and, there and I'm, will be. I'm cool with that. There's an extent to it, and people. This is another one. People will yell at you, be like, "Then you're for giving up all your data." I'm not <sighs> extremes, but there is extremes. There is a trade-off, and I might add another thing that is not said nearly loud enough that he deserves a ton of credit for is the precautions he took in this release were fucking brilliant oh yeah to this day even the people in government who hate him the most they cannot say that a single death happened because of what he did and how he it's unbelievable so he wasn't just some jerk off like here's my hard drive go (laughs) he was tactical about it and so i respect the hell out of it but yeah like will we need another one yeah we will when it happens, how much farther down the rabbit hole are we? You know, how much farther down the slope are we? Like, where do you, where do you put this, this, this back in the bag? It's like, you know, you even saw and you see all these people who have convinced themselves that Bill Gates is putting a microchip in them with a vaccine. You know, I think that's ridiculous and everything. And I'm not going to sit here and get caught up in that argument. But like one place where I'll say, you know, the same people will then take another argument is when they talk about like the passports and stuff and digitally. And I'm like, okay, I see the argument there. 
That's that's different. It's not like did you get it or didn't you because you believe in science or you don't. It's like well now it's like where does that kind of thing end? Because it's not just this right now. It's the same kind of argument, and and I'm I'm okay when we go there because I give this argument when we're talking about Snowden. But look, I'm at fault, man. <laughs> I didn't know. Like I was not. I was what like 19 when he came out. 18, yeah, 19, 18 19 when 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 he came out with this. I was not sitting there going, have you seen what Edward Snowden just did? <laughs> I was I was in college. Of course. I was drinking and fucking. You know what I mean? And I didn't become aware of it until literally until he went on Joe Rogan and I listened to it and I was like <sighs> Because it didn't impact you. It didn't. And why would you care? Why? I don't know. But that's hypocritical, you know? And now I'm like, I want everyone to know about it and whatever, and I see so many people who still don't because there is some sort of a light on it. And that's why I try to be like a realist with where the data trade-off is. Like, I know we got to give up a lot and there's an extent to which I'm okay with that. But where do you draw the line? And then where do you draw the line on who handles it? And like one of my other friends, who I won't say who or where, so people take this how you will, but I, I, I cannot put anything on it. He's someone who would know, put it that way. But um, he talks about how there's a button, <laughs> like, and he's exaggerating there, but he's like, there's, there's a button that the government has Back end, back door to all these companies, and mm -hmm. if they want it, they got it, and the companies are aware of it. And it's like, okay, as long as it can't be used in a court of law, fine. But I've also seen that game play out. Right. They do use it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I will die on this hill. All due respect, that's how they got Ross Ulbrich on the Silk Road. Oh, yeah. 100%. For sure. But what do you think of that? Because, like, the, the, I'm not talking about the event itself. We can talk about that. Like, they got Them having to, a button? Yeah, they, they got to his server. There, there's no, I, I mean, I've talked to coders left and right. Their their explanation was stupid. Like the, the FBI didn't just like suddenly like, oh, we landed on his server called Frosty. <laughs> they illegally got in there. Of course they did. What other way was there? Especially, you know, it's a murky area for sure. But I, the, the, the old thing is, you know, if you have nothing to hide, why hide it? And I get that. But at the same time. I, I want to be able to know that people are not peering into me internally and externally by the you know sense of like they can not get into my uh, server, but like they can, you know, not see through my phone or stuff like that. So I do understand the government needing the ability to do that for massive threats, because I think that we've thwart thwarted multiple terrorist attacks, multiple in the scale of tens to hundreds that we'll never hear about. Because they've done stuff like that. And I think that's where you go back to that trade-off. Is it worth it for the, I guess, greater good of things? Yes. But to what degree? And do I trust the government doing it? I've never trusted the government on anything. So it's like, but also go, to go back to like, does it impact me? No. Until it does. And that's it. The good and evil argument. It's, it's, it's the same one that's been cited maybe 30 in 30 episodes on this podcast since <laughs> but the one i already talked about earlier in here with the with the with the horo episode number 17 that was the entire argument like you can't you can't have it both ways if you want these companies to innovate and you want a free market then guess what they are permitted to do the things they're going to do but if you are so worried about you know the tamping down on speech, so to speak, and data privacy and things like that, then there's things that aren't going to happen. 
And it's that's why I'm stuck in between it because I see the upsides and downsides of both. And I don't really have an answer for you. But I do like to hear about where companies are making some effort, you know, and then what I care about is can governments use that? And let me take that a step farther. I worry less about our government and the power to use tech against us because, yes, it bothers me that they can get away with things like the Silk Road thing. But let me play devil's advocate and let's say, even though I'm a Ross supporter, Ross did have to go to jail, right? Like, oh, yeah. He did that. Of course. That was not good. And <laughs> I understand the point he was trying to make, but you can't create an international drug market. Yeah. So <sighs> that said, two life sentences, the way they did the case, ridiculous. It's fucking insane. For sure. So I can look at them knowing that, hey, the final result is we're going to get this guy and that's good. But then the slippery slope of them doing it there, where else do they do it? Same argument, right? Mm -hmm. Despite all that with our government, I'm less concerned. I'm going to get yelled at for this, but it's true. <laughs> I'm less concerned about where this goes with the generation of tech with our government than I am with other governments who then can come to our people and do it, right? I want everyone to be free around this world, but I recognize that not everyone is. Well, so, how is that any different than our government doing that? 100%. And, and if I were in another country and I saw those patterns, mm -hmm. I'd be saying the same thing, and I should. Right. I absolutely should. But like, I think of something that I can definitely say with a straight face clearly is much worse, which is like a communist government in China. Oh, yeah. And I go, okay, if they got access to this stuff in the future, now what happens? Oh, they've they had access before us. What they've been able to do is, mm -hmm. I mean, they're the largest world power. They've got a billion people. They are. Massive. I mean, they are communist. Yeah. The government is. Yes. The government, uh, make sure I say that. The government is communist. The people are, not all the people. Right. Yeah. And, and I'd liken that to like the whole uh, uh, Hitler Germany thing, you know. But our country does, outside of treating their own people poorly. Uh, you know, the whole Muslim, you, uh, whatever mm -hmm. Muslim thing. Um, our country is just a little better at not having it be public. Uh, even though I don't know, I, I don't know if I could say that definitively. Cause like our news is purely domestic driven. We don't even get much news externally, like in the sense of learning about other countries and problems other countries have. Outside of what you see on the internet, I mean, you're not really getting much from, you know, your, your basic uh, news channels. But what have we done that that is at that level of bad, not level of bad of like, you know, killing your own citizens or whatever, but level of bad about using technology and stuff like that to a crazy advantage to do harm against other countries. It's like the whole Russia thing with the whole uh, election uh, mm -hmm. stuff, which look – if your citizens are that easily moved by a troll post, then like fair game. Cause like we got a lot of dumb people here. They but, are. And they are. You're right. It's just crazy that we are not anywhere near a saint. And there's a reason why, uh, a lot of people hate us and a lot of people hate all world powers, of course, for, you know, one or another reason. Uh, but we do a lot of bad stuff. Uh, it's just not as public. Or as public in our news, whereas like if you maybe were, I'd like an external perspective of our country and our government, uh, you know, from another country on the other side of the world, not even like Canada or Mexico, you know, somewhere else. What are their actual thoughts on us based on the information they know? Fair. Very fair. 
So it's, it's, it's an interesting conundrum. Uh, and it's, it, and it's, it's also why, like, I, I don't believe a in there should be a world police or B that we should be the world police. Cause like, who the fuck are we? We're just another country trying to make it. And we have the same, maybe less corrupt government than like, you know, a Taliban or something like that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. But like we do our own bad shit as well. Yes. And, and, and once again, it comes down to the trade off, not the trade off, but like the balance of there is bad. Yeah. There just happens to be a higher level of good in the system here right. than yep. in other places. So sure. let's look to improve the bad and let's point it out where it is. Yeah. I, I remember I talked about this a few episodes ago with somebody, but there was a scene in Homeland. You ever watch that show? I have. Good. Not a huge fan, but I appreciate the show a lot. It was, I think it just got too long in the tooth. I think they kept going mm -hmm. and I kind of faded, but some of it early on, especially was, was really good in my opinion. But there was one, I think it was season four. I forget the guy's name, but there was this one really sadistic terrorist that they was the main bad guy in the season. And it's interesting because I know this is a story, but it's based on ideas that mm -hmm. exist out there. And I find myself trying to get really into the head of someone like that and why they could think these things. Like I did the same thing with Osama bin Laden all the time, who was very interesting because he was literally from billions of dollars. Right. You know, like it was such a bizarre Trade situation. Wealth, yeah. And so on one hand, I can say, of course, this person's a very evil person, but how did that happen? And there was a line that this terrorist said in the show where it was something along the lines of America hates what it can't and doesn't want to understand. Mm. And that hit mm. to me with what you just said about how we don't report on other things. We report the snippet that's going to like make a headline or like right. create an opinion. And it's so true because then we just assume that everything we're doing is great or that we're the best or, you know, it's not really that big a deal or how we feel about this issue versus that one isn't going to affect another country and their ability to have an economy or earn money or whatever it is, you know, but that's not true. And so you get like in order to get people like Al Qaeda back in the day, you have to create things that piss those people off to a degree that you can't believe that allow that opposite reaction to form. Isn't social media just a microcosm of the whole concept? Yes. I, I don't, I don't see how it's not. Right. It's, it's, yeah, I, that's a great line from that show. Wow. Oof. Phenomenal. That's a really good line, but it's true. You know, there's, but people don't care. We care about the highlight reel and we care about our highlight reel. Nothing else. And then we also do point out, we try to point out good in other places that isn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> like we cherry pick, we, in, in order to fix bad here, we paint it all as bad. And then we pick out things that supposedly are good in other right. places. And it's like, nope, that's not a good idea. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like the capitalism, socialism thing. Trust me. I have a lot of critiques of capitalism. There's a lot of issues well, who doesn't? with it. But I can also say that of the broad systems in the world that have been tried and tested it's not even close capitalism is the best system uh, it's not even a question it's not even a question no. but because there are some people who legitimately have some gripes with things that capitalism has done to them or to groups of people that therefore <laughs> have perpetuated things even if they have an argument there they then use that argument to say well look at fucking slovakia with <laughs> with, with 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 socialism and they haven't even had a war in 20 years and it's like it's like uh, it's like the 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 minimum wage argument where like oh this country did uh, fifteen dollars an hour and like their country is like six million people and like you know a fraction of that's the workforce 
and a fraction of that is like the workforce who's getting that minimum wage. It's like, oh, well, you know, we got 350 million people here. Going back to like that, the, the large numbers thing, not everything, it's not a one size fits all thing. You know, universal healthcare doesn't necessarily mean it works everywhere. My views on that are, you know, irrelevant, but, you know, there's good and bad out of every type of model. And I think that's the, uh, that's the takeaway. Healthcare is another one though. Like I've never heard a good solution on that. No, of course not. No, no. And, and, and I think I truly believe that the good people, not the opportunists, which there's plenty of opportunists, but I'm saying like the people who are on one side or the other, who's, who are like good people, mm-hmm. I think they want the right things. I What's think the right thing though. That's it, man. There's no, yeah. it, there's no correct right thing because right's all relative, right? That's true. You know, like there's no, in the eyes of a terrorist, they're doing the right thing. No, who, who are we to say they're wrong outside of the fact that like, hey, you're killing our people. That is wrong. The reasons they're doing that may be correct to them for, for some religious perspective or, so, or something else, you know, and that's why like we are a terrorist as well. Mm. Fuck that's deep, man. <laughs> Fuck that, Steve. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's putting the shoe on the other foot. It's really... It's Which really, people hate fucking doing. They hate it. <laughs> they want their one shoe and that's it. And they think they think that they're good at it too. That's the worst part. When people are like, they're convinced that they're so right that they're the empathetic and emotionally understanding one. And in reality, they're <laughs> telling 50% of people to go fuck themselves. <laughs> it's like, no, you know? So but I don't deal with people. <laughs> that's what what is your dream man because like you're you're building all this shit you're young you've already built something before this so you've had success and now it's like the second thing is like the big 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 boy thing but like do you look at this like 20 years from now are you going to be in there building the next thing or are you the guy that's going to like sell all his possessions and move to nepal and never be heard from again Oof. i mean i think there's a middle ground there uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to sell my possessions. I also don't possess a lot, nor do I want to material. I'm not very materialistic. Uh, I want to do good and I want to be happy. Uh, that's the core of how I make decisions. Um, what's happiness to you? That I can go to bed without hating myself. That's what happiness is to me. And that's hard to get. I think a lot of it for a lot of people, that's hard to get. And it's just the, the endless cycle of another day and another day, another day. And people, a lot of people can't wait until the end, whatever the end may be. And however they go about doing the end in my mind, I don't believe there is an end. And, you know, to segue into the whole, what do I, what's the next thing? Uh, I want to get out of the tech industry at large. I don't want to deal with consumers. I don't want to deal with other companies in the sense that deal with consumers. Um, I want to keep solving problems at my pace and work with people. I I enjoy working with like I do now and and work with people towards a common goal. Uh, Whether it's to uh, further space travel, make us a multi-planetary or multi-universal. If you believe there's more than one universe uh, or do you, you? (laughs) that's a long conversation. Okay. (laughs) Very long conversation. That's next time. I will say that. Uh, I guess the, the, the one spot I'm, I'm extremely passionate about, obviously I've, I've made, you know, a few physics drops this, uh, in this podcast is, you know, solving death because death is just a problem that we haven't been able to solve yet, whether it's biologically or technologically or a mixture of the both. Uh, there's a solution out there 
once we understand more of you know the theory of everything or more of understanding of the brain and consciousness and what and what the fuck consciousness is you know we don't know that but that's what i'd like to you know give my time to is helping understand that and look if i'm able to you know play any part in that with everyone who's come way, way before me and who's doing it now awesome and you know if we solve some shit awesome and you know maybe we find the way to you know stave off death or you know however you want to go about that that's just where i want to be uh i guess in, in my life do you think we are of the generation that could have the ability to be immortal oh well, 1000 percent. yep yeah for sure so you're kind of on that curse while vibe <laughs> yes i do yeah. i do believe that well i mean this sense of life and immortality is is crazy because you know some of that is based on an argument of like uh, a soul and like who are you as a person but like it could just be a bunch of quantum shit that's just going on in this gob of glue that we're able to then replicate and then extract and then you can still be you um i i want to i just want to keep learning and just becoming better and more and you know give back to the world that a lot of it i hate due to the inhabitants but the theory of humanity i i love and appreciate and and i guess above humanity because outside the you know the biological part of it is the the idea of higher knowledge that and that theory is something i want to help ensure continues on in, in in some in some regard whether it's you know humans in this sense humans in a android sense or humans in the sense of uh, just consciousness being able to go through a wormhole to, to somewhere else just that ability to to do more and to do good that's an answer that should play many years from now when a lot said and done because that's that's what i would be looking for in somebody who's going to have who's going to hone incredible intellectual capabilities like you and have the passion to build things like you and then go out and, and leverage the, the former and, and the latter. I think that a lot of times we see people who, who have a, they have an objective outside of finding new innovation and more of an objective of creating the world they want to see. And when you are truly open to so many different things, like you just laid out, and are curious about the like one very simple thing that ties every single person together, no matter what, which is like living and, and dying. <laughs> like, I think that that gets to a point where it's like you're in it for the beauty of the game. And I got the same sense getting to know Anthony and Riley, and I get the same sense with you. And it's pretty amazing that the three of you are building something together based off of that type of belief and it's so it's so out there and open and now it's also there for anyone to see on the internet <laughs> by doing this you know it's it, it gives you hope that there is a lot of that out there and there's not just things that start to you know go for an agenda but you know lo looking at the the battle of life and death the other battle i i don't I, maybe you brought up in there but it was it was a wild all over the place answer but the battle between human and machine is a big part of that. You know, you said earlier somewhere in some context, I can't even fucking remember at this point, but you were like, tech is moving, is evolving faster than humanity. 
and you thought that's an okay thing, and it might be. But I think about this all the time. This these pictures are picked out for certain reasons, and here and the one I'm pointing to over here is the rethinking of the painting of the hand of God and Adam, but instead it's the hand of God and a robot. And like, you know, I look at things like what Nick Bostrom has to say in the book Super Intelligence. I don't know if you ever read that. I know about it. I've not read it. You got to read that. It's it's wild. But I I see these people lay out these unbelievable arguments for simulation and also the problem with machines potentially overtaking what we can do on a human level. And it scares me because the way to get to solve a problem like death is to leverage the power of machines. We make robots in our vision, just like the religion, religions say God made us in, in, in his image. So is this, it's just cyclical. We're, we're making something to hopefully be able to be something that can then evolve just like we evolved. Yes. And it's, it's an interesting concept. Um, and there's a lot of different answers on it. And I am not the qualified person to ask on it. I, Who is then? I don't Seriously. know. But I'm going to fucking find them because I hope once I get out of this venture and into doing what I want to do outside of this, uh, I hope I'm the dumbest guy in the room and that I can learn that much about it. Because that is those are the questions I want answers to. Because those are it doesn't get more difficult or more core to existence is the answers to those questions. What about the dumbest guy in the room though? Because like, I hear you say that and I'm going to speak for you right now. <laughs> I know that there are smarter people out there than you, oh, of course. Gosh. Right. Like I, frankly, I think he's smarter than you are all due respect, Oof, time but over. like, Oof, yeah, not many. I think there are not, not when, when I say many, there's seven and a half, eight billion people in the world. <laughs> it's all relative. A very, yeah. very small percentage of people. And I ask you this because, yes, I think in the spaces you're running in and the things you're looking to do, you will be able to get into those rooms where you are not the smartest person in it. I think you've already entered plenty of them where that's the case. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of rooms unless there's two or three people in there, including yourself, where you're going to be the dumbest guy in the room. And I ask this because, like, I do think about it from the perspective of an Elon, right, who I – view as this genius and have studied what he does and, and how he talks and what he says. And you don't want to be the guy to your point that walks in there and goes, I'm the smartest in the room mm. because then that's where you start to play God. Right. Right. But what about when you are, I, cause I can't relate. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. What about when you are, is there a responsibility that you can recognize that? And instead of saying, I'm the smartest guy in the room, I know what to say instead be like, but I can get a lot of other smart people in here and all them together can come up with shit better than I do. Well, smartest doesn't necessarily mean you have all the answers, right? So mm. like the ability to suss out answers along with other at a threshold, you know, there's the, there's a level of, uh, of intelligence a person has to have, but there's outside the intelligence, it's the openness and the willingness that it's kind of like a trifecta of sorts. You want people that are open to the same concepts of I want to learn, I want to evolve, I want to be better. Because, you know, intelligence outside of IQ, which I have views on IQ and, <laughs> and, and measuring that, uh, <laughs> you just want to be in a group that everyone doesn't th necessarily think about that. It shouldn't be like, oh, shit, I'm the smartest person in the room. Because if that's the case, then that's a room you probably shouldn't be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's why I ask it though, because when you get to a certain echelon and you're trying to create certain things, 
be it the space race, the metaverse race, the fucking death race, whatever it is, you know, you get into those rooms where it's like, well, the reality is someone in here is the smartest and we're not dealing with like, you know, who's going to have the best small business around here. We're dealing with the future of humanity. It's a weird thing. I, I, I don't really know how to phrase it or, or, or how to think about it. But before I, I do let you out of here, I, I wanted to get at least a little bit to the space thing that's been mentioned like in passing a few times today because mm-hmm. I, I know you're really into it. I have to check myself on a couple things that I've gotten more interested in, but that I've never had enough curiosity on. And to be honest, that is space. And then another level of it, the more conspiratorial level would be the aliens thing, Oof. which my, my boy, Alessi Alaman <laughs> has been getting me into that more because he's all about Oof, it. Aliens. Has a great podcast, by the way, I'll get you on there. But you know, like now I'm paying attention to it a little more. But not not to go straight to aliens. On on the Oof. space side of it, it is amazing to me when I go and look at the tech. I mean, I made a mention of it earlier. But when, when I go to look at the tech we have now versus what we had 20 years ago mm. and how we can take things literally for granted. I mean that in a good way. Yeah. That we can do. And yet I still kind of hear the same news clippings of like, oh, we might go to Mars. But it's so much more than that now. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it was kind of like Mars was the end game. For a lot of people, for a lot of years, but the not for the scientific community, right? Mars was just the next step. It's the next launching off point. Mars is cool and all, but like there's outside of a massive solar system, a massive galaxy and universe. The, the idea that, and we do have an insane amount of technology right now. I mean, we just saw what, you know, rockets landing themselves. Like what? Yeah. That's crazy. This is, you know, shit out of science fiction from, you know, you know, a handful of decades ago. It's, it's unbelievable, but it's not about Mars. It's about evolution and, you know, becoming multiplanetary to be able to say, okay, what's the next point? Where do we keep going from there? And, and then I think that's why I bring up the, the death thing is because the longer people can survive and live, the more amount of, I guess, intellectual people we have and the more amount of knowledge is still growing exponentially more, the more people you have. So the ability for us to solve some issues that are, you know, potentially blocking the exponential increase of other problems is what I like about, uh, technology and solving core issues like death. Mm. Fuck man. (laughs) I think I've said that 10 times. (laughs) You just leave some mic. Tr- this this was a hard one for me, and that's that's a compliment because there were a few times today where like you were going through a few things, and I'm trying to track it. I'm like, I think I see what he's saying, and then you landed the point. You just looked at me, and I'm like, oh fuck, it's my turn. <laughs> I'm like holy shit, I've been in enough of those conversations on your side that uh, I know exactly what you. All right, saying. well, look, you're such a interesting guy culturally and we didn't even talk like i know you're really into music you're really into basketball which we touched on a little bit but not really like you're really into all these other things and we didn't get there but like this is one of those when i'm going back and literally while editing it where it's very hard to consume the content i'm just getting all the cameras right and shit right and taking the notes i'm gonna be like wait what the fuck just got said (laughs) what like so i enjoy the hell out of that and to your point about not wanting to be the smartest guy in the room it's great when i when i get guys in here and i feel like a moron (laughs) because <laughs> I know that, like, in a good way, all the listeners can too, and we can all learn from it. And we can also get you at a point, same thing goes with Anthony and Riley, as I've said before, where it's like we're tracking you guys along the journey of what you're building. 
And, you know, now there's some things that can be going public pretty soon as far as right. what you can show people with, which I've seen, and it's fucking nuts. And it's cool that, you know, you guys have given the trust to come in here and, and talk your way through it while that's going on. So <laughs> I really, I really, really appreciate it, man. And I look forward to doing this again. Just, yeah. it's, 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 been, it's been really fucking cool. And you are one of the sharpest people I've ever met in my life. A hell of an experience. This was – I mean, I, I learned a lot. I mean, you're a very bright guy. The, the amount of shit I was able to learn and even just stuff that I, I didn't necessarily know right off the bat or knew a little bit about. Uh, it's extremely fascinating. I really want to come back to this because I, I enjoy – I knew I would enjoy it. I didn't realize I would enjoy it to this degree. Well, that's that's the best thing I can get back, and hell yeah, like absolutely, we will. You will definitely be on here again, so long as you come through. <laughs> Up to you, for but sure. yeah, it's where I can get that exchange. And thank you for I don't know what the hell you got from me, but that's awesome, <laughs> you know. And and like eventually we'll do a studio where we'll have some bongs ripping in here as well, and, and really really get deep and, and meta yes. about some stuff. But you know, sure. I'm working my way there. If you know what I mean. <laughs> For you know sure. what I mean. Oh, yeah. So, Baker, thank you, brother. Yeah, of course. And uh, everybody else, you know what it is. Give it a thought. Get back to me. Peace.